All right, I've started recording. Three, two, one. Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm named after two Hogwarts headmasters, one of whom was a Slytherin, and he was the funniest character that we've ever had in one of these movies. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> this week, uh, we are talking about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom of the Deathly Hallows Part 2 of Three and a Half. The Lost Wizarding World. The Lost Wizarding World. <laughs> I, all right. I, I like that. <laughs> um, okay. Before I get into the scores and everything, did you like this more than Part 1? Okay, because on this viewing experience, I actually liked it more than part one. Now, as we talk about it, I'll probably come to loathe this movie, uh, similar to what happened with with the last one, um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, directed by David Yates from 2011. It has a 96% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um Tyler is pulling out the gun to shoot himself right now, um, and it has an 89% audience score. I feel like half of those reviews are just like, it's over! Alright, we're done! You get brownie points for finally being done and we don't have to watch any more of these movies. That's that's my two cents on it. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about whatever the name of this film is? So, I'm going to go ahead and lay out the cards on the table here. Uh, I have I have a goal for this this podcast, which is to convince you that this movie is worthy of uh, the F the F range, a, a grade in the F range. I think it's possible. We'll see. Okay, how, we'll so, see how are, so are you saying it's worse than Half Blood Prince? Then I can't go that far. Yes, I I can't. I I don't. I mean, it's more. Okay, okay. I should. It's even. I, it's somehow even more offensive to me than Half Blood Prince. I'll put it that way. Okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be saying that because anything can happen over the course of these <laughs> podcasts. Uh, if you've been listening long enough, as you this, know very well. As this series, especially, has demonstrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't feel like Half Blood Prince. I I don't ever want to watch this one. I've occasionally watched. So I don't know. One, it's ridiculous that this has a 96%. You've all been hoodwinked. <laughs> You've all been bamboozled. <laughs> uh, two. You've all gone yumpy. This movie, I, w- I will say, it. a lot of my problems stem from choices made in the 6th and 7th, but they don't make better choices to get past that in this, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, they don't... I don't know. They, they, they continue to make the choices worse as opposed to trying to recover could they have potentially recovered could they have in retrospect made the previous couple of films better maybe by streamlining certain elements yeah i i, th- I think there are definitely elements and um, we can kind of get into that that they could have done to make this this overall flow and a lot of it has to do with the way the finale is handled because it's just terrible <laughs> <laughs> all right um, it's just the most blunt way to say it okay yes uh so um, where to start? Uh, 
what did you like about the movie? Because odds are there's only like a couple of things you actually liked. So my best thing about this movie is that it's uh, the shortest of all of them, so you didn't have to endure it for that long. My best thing about this movie is, funnily enough, my best thing about the fifth movie, which is Luna. Um, she shows up a couple times, and it's like, ah, oh, I feel something. She's a, she has a great little scene. It's it's not really like in the um, the book where uh, Luna, because there's a little bit more, and it's it's this this will get into some of my problems as well. But basically, there's the scene where they're going up the tower, and Harry's trying to track down. Uh, I think he's trying to go to the Ravenclaw like dormitory or something like that yeah uh, but in the book he actually goes there with luna because they're just looking for clues in general so we actually get to see that which is nice doesn't really matter all that much for the movie it's fine um and then there's a whole thing and that's where mcgonagall finds them and then harry doesn't actually reveal himself before snape shows up and like there's there's it plays out entirely differently which is going to get into some of my problems with the way they they crush certain scenes together so that then they can just spend all this schlock on the end of the movie um but anyway, uh, there's a scene where Harry and Luna are running up the tower, and, and Luna's like, uh, or Harry's just kind of brushing her off because he's like, I, no, I, Luna, I gotta, I gotta go look for this thing. Like, it's an big deal. And then she's like, Harry Potter, listen to me right now. And it's great. It's, it's, it's like, ah, characters acting out their emotions and, and you know, uh, being, being proactive and, and wanting to, like, make choices. Um, it's nice. And then they, they have a nice discussion, and Luna Luna's the one who gives them the idea to go talk to the Grey Lady yeah. uh, in order to find the diadem. That's all really nice. And there's a couple other scenes with her. However, um, they get they do leave out the best, what I would argue is the best scene from the book with her, where she's the one, um, when, like, after the battle, Harry's being mobbed by people because they're like, oh, you, you, the hero, oh my gosh, you killed Voldemort. And then Harry is just, like, exhausted from meeting all these people. And then Luna is like, I, if I were you, I'd probably want some peace and quiet. And he's like, yeah, a little bit. And then, so then she causes a distraction that helps him to, to slip out with her, with uh, Hermione and Ron. Right. Which is a nice cap on their entire relationship, I feel like. And so it's like... <sighs> anyway... Uh, my worst thing about this movie is can I, like... Can I, can I yes. say a couple more points about Luna before we move forward? Because yes. I feel like we're not going to talk about her again. Probably. Um, just because there's so much to go through with this. This yes. this might be another two-hour, we just kind of run through Very the plot possible. episode again. Um, so sorry about that if that's not what you want. Uh, <laughs> too bad. Too bad. Also, if you really enjoyed this I didn't movie, want this movie, so... <laughs> also, if you really enjoyed this movie, along with the past couple, just letting you know... <laughs> just turn it off. Just, just go... Just walk away. Unless you're willing to actually hear the other side, so right. But most you're going to hear a lot of the other side. But but most people aren't willing to hear the other side. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try and be a, a little bit like a, a little bit nicer, a little bit more lean. Well, I'm trying to think of like like if I was watching. I mean, we we talked about Last Jedi and how I I generally like that movie. I think I give it like a B plus. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast that was two hours of people ripping that apart. Yeah. So. I, I would argue it's probably best if you just walk away if you really enjoy this. But I, I think also if you have only seen this once in theaters and maybe you, you read the books before that, but it, it had been a while and so you haven't really like gone back and revisited this entire world uh, in a while, I, I would definitely uh, listen to what we have to say because I think it hopefully might be eye-opening. I mean, I think at this point, if you've listened to the last two episodes, you probably already kind of see why we're we're kind of having this revelation about these movies um these last three specifically but yeah that's anyway continue 
Um, so, also one line from Luna that I really liked was when they're back at the the cottage, and she's uh, what's that, what's the thing hanging in the air uh, that she's messing with? Oh, the, uh, the decorations. The yeah, the, yeah, the wind chimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she says uh, Muggles think that these ward off evil spirits or something like that. Um, and she's and she just says they're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's from the like movie. that. That is that's, that's that is so Luna. <laughs> I want a TV show spinoff called That's So Luna. <laughs> um, just a couple more quick points. Number one, they do not explain how she gets from the the cottage to Hogwarts. She's just kind of there. That's mm-hmm. very strange. And they're just hoping that there's so much going on that you don't even think well, about it. They have everyone go like they have the entire order kind of show up in the same way. But she shows up. She's in the room of requirement with all these students before that. Oh, yeah. And she's just in there, and she's like, "What about the diadem?" And it's like, "Where did you come from? You're like Hermione with the with the <laughs> with the time turner." Luna's had a time turner this entire time. She's I, like, Luna is actually Doctor Who. She's just yes. been traveling, time traveling. I would watch place. that so hard. Um, oh, that would be great. Um, cast that actress. Maybe I'll actually say, get, watch get, Doctor get, Who. Give her, give her like five, ten years, and then cast her. As that's not, Who that's ever. not a bash against excellent. Doctor Who. I've never watched yeah. it, so I have no expectations for it whatsoever. There's, there's a, there's a, they, they find this is the first female uh, Doctor Who has been cast for the newest season, which people are excited about. Seems cool, good actress. I've, I've seen her in other things. So, anyway, um, then my last point is, I always thought it was, and this is before our revelation that Luna and Harry should be together. Um, mm-hmm. I always thought it was nice that Neville's just like, oh, hey, I should go find Luna since we're both about to die. I'm totally in love with her. And I'm like, yeah. that seems nice. Only because, like, just in the very back of my brain, I'm going, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I guess they're both a little weird, whatever. Yeah. But the, they get no screen time together in these movies. Nope. Why are that? Why? Why is yep. Neville attracted to her? Yep. Not even slightly set up. Again, from the movie, not the book. Yeah. Um, so that that was very s- strange. It's a nice moment on the surface. That's that's the problem. But we also the- don't see the. It would be a nice moment if we saw like if there was a fun bit where it was like he finds her and then he tells her that and they're like warding off Death Eaters. Yeah. And then she like reciprocates and she's like, oh, I've, I'm mad for you too or whatever. I and then I don't know. Similar you- to like Will and Elizabeth in at yes, World's End. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that'd be a nice bit if they just did, if they had a little a little scene with that. And I know. I know you've got to make room for 20 minutes of Harry and Voldemort uh, blowing stuff up and, like, flying around the castle and stuff. Oh, hey, but their wands are connecting heart, again. I've never know, seen that this, before. Yeah. If you could just find in your heart to, I don't know, make this movie, you know, the same length as all the other movies you made, maybe you could find some time for that. <laughs> or if you just cut out maybe a little bit of the Harry Voldemort, maybe just, just you know, 15 minutes, that might be good. Or at least make it a little more interesting. Y- yeah. And less stupid action schlock. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know. That was that was th- that's what I noticed throughout the the past couple of movies. There's so many moments on the surface that if you don't really think about it, you're like, oh, that's that's kind of a nice moment. But then you start, to, you give it like five seconds of thought, and you say, oh wait, <laughs> hold on a second. I don't think they put much thought into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what's your worst thing? Sorry, sorry to sort of put put everything on hold. My worst thing, I don't even know how to like describe this. Um, 
the it's, you should it's just the say overall, the structure of the movie. That's, it really is. Like, no, that's, that's it's the that's it's the, best the butchering. Way to, to, it's the butchering yeah. of a structure that works really well. I'm not saying you have to copy the book exactly. We've we've repeated that a lot over and over for these past seven movies, and. I talked about how the fifth movie cuts through a lot of stuff. The fourth movie cuts, cuts through a lot of stuff. And yeah. I think, uh, I mean, the third does a little bit to that extent as well. Probably not as, like, impressively. Like, it doesn't weave it quite as well. But, like, the fourth and fifth especially do a great job getting to the point of the story and and making very good standalone movies. And so, like, th- that's not a thing that I'm against. What I'm against is the fact that you have a lot of the pieces in place to replicate pretty much the exact same layout and flow of the book and just completely screw it up because you think people want to see Voldemort strangling Harry with his robes uh, for like a minute and then and, like, and then Harry says Hermione, a dumb action line and then they throw themselves off the, the tower so and, they can fly around Hermione and Ron like running around because the snake is attacking them for like five minutes right and <sighs> Let me, let me, best way I can encapsulate this. Um, you know the scene with Harry and King's Cross with Dumbledore? Yes. This is the scene where Dumbledore explains the plot of the series to Harry. <laughs> this is the scene where Dumbledore, in the book, he's like, hey, here's all this crazy stuff I did. I'm kind of, like, I don't like myself because I, I have made a lot of mistakes in life. And I, I never, I just was trying so hard to protect you from making those mistakes. I'm, you're, I'm so proud of you. You're so brave and you've done so much. And here's all the reasons why I did things the way I did in hopes that it would prepare you for this moment and, you know, turn you into the man you need to be to kill Voldemort. Yeah. Like, it's this complete, like, it's it's what the audience, it's catharsis for the audience of, like, everything makes sense now. Like, we, we, we understand because the entire movie has been, and again, they do this thing. We talked about in the last one where there's the scene with uh, Harry at the wedding where uh, Elphias Dodge and... Uh, Ron's aunt Muriel, they're arguing over the uh, or over Dumbledore and and like the fact that there's the new biography from Rita Skeeter coming out and all that stuff. Um, and then they never bring that up again. Like Harry never questions Dumbledore again throughout that point. But then they have the scene where they meet Aberforth, and Aberforth is like, like they still keep most of the discussion as far as like Aberforth complaining about. Dumbledore, but yeah. then they also don't explain any of the Grindelwald stuff. They don't, they don't explain, explain the sister stuff. They and just, don't explain. They're the just like of the something bad happened there. to the sister and she died. I guess. Yeah, and like, and well, and then and then the whole point of that is just for Harry to shut him down and say, "I don't care what happened. He gave me a job to do. Yes. I'm going to do it." Like, if that if that's the end point of that whole subplot, gut it all. Yeah, exactly. The end point of that whole subplot in the book is that Harry, once he watches the memories, and this is a hard thing to translate into a movie. I get it because it's all internal monologue. It's all it's all thoughts. It's all Harry's thoughts. Movies but are hard. You you can do better than this. Movies are hard, um, Tyler. Yes, yes. Um, there's the scene where uh, Harry watches all the memories and finds out, oh, Dumbledore's been basically training me to kill all the Horcruxes and then go get killed by Voldemort. And that's the point where he finally, like, all of that comes together because Aberforth continues to put doubts in his head where he's like, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. And, like, um, but there's also a nice moment where Harry realizes that Dumbledore freaking out after drinking the stuff in the sixth movie, sixth book, uh, and that protected Voldemort's locket. Yeah. Harry finds out that, or Harry realizes after Aberforth tells him what happened with their sister, 
Harry realizes in the book, oh, that's what Dumbledore was freaking out about. That's he was like screaming out like to to uh, for Grindelwald to stop attacking his siblings and to to hurt him instead. Like that's I don't even remember if, what the dialogue is like for that in the movie. I don't think it's any like even slightly related. I think he just but, like he's yelling and then he yells he yells kill me a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's not really they don't really set it up at all. And so in the book that's where Harry is kind of like he he realizes that Dumbledore is just a very flawed person. He kind of comes to terms with that. And then he finds out Dumbledore's master plan of getting him killed by Voldemort. And he's like, he he, he officially comes to terms with the fact that he kind of hates hates Dumbledore for doing that to him. Yeah. And that's supposed to be the, the, the final kind of point of that until he dies and then actually talks to Dumbledore. And then everything is revealed. And he's like, I, I forgive you, Dumbledore. I understand. Even though, and Dumbledore is like super like, regretful about how he's had to treat Harry and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice scene. Anyway, that scene in King's the in Ghostly King's Cross is uh, 20 pages long. Right. In, in my, my hardcover copy, at least. 20 pages. From the end of that scene, so that is one whole chapter, uh, the next scene on to... And so, to, to give a frame for what I'm talking about here, the movie, that's about five minutes, maybe? Yeah. If that, um, from the end of that scene on to Harry kills Voldemort is another 20 pages. It is the same length of, of writing yeah. to do that. The movie takes another 25 minutes. Yeah. It's absurd. And like, the, and we've talked about this before that these movies do this so much where they take a scene that is supposed to be this this like this the the these are not action books like these are not books that are full of like people going crazy like that's why it's so stark to to see the battle at the end of the sixth book and the battle at the end of this one where it's like oh we finally violence has entered this world and like it's it's become a white like there is a war going on like that's that's crazy to see in this world because this world is fairly tame in terms of like when things happen they're usually brutal and short they're yeah just like 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 harry stabbing the basilisk uh we talked we complained about that in the chamber of secrets it's the same thing here where they just tyler he's gotta it. he's gotta run down a tunnel to build suspense yes. he can't and, just pull out the sword and stab the snake and be done with it, it how are we supposed to sell tickets doing that? <laughs> I don't know. In this movie that's already near three hours. <laughs> Maybe if you make it a little shorter, you can, uh, you can get some more run times in there. You ever think of that? Um, yeah, and it's... They, these movies constantly bloat stuff beyond all recognition because they feel like that's what audiences want. These movies should be more drama coming of age teen drama like so something in that realm than they are weird action well, here's schlock the thing. i feel like when you talk with people the things that they actually remember from these movies are the drama they don't exactly they don't talk about the action as much yes and it's just weird going well there, there's so much more that's just left off the table that should yes. be there exactly I and know. I feel like these color people's perceptions of, of the books. Like, I feel like people watch these movies and then they come back, especially these last three, and then, like, 
they don't grasp like they they don't because no i mean and i'm not like blaming anybody for doing this but like if you watch these movies i mean i felt kind of the same way going into reviewing these the series that if you watch these movies and and you hadn't read the books for a while and you haven't read the books since like that's just such a a a shame that people forget <laughs> how impressive yeah. the seventh the seventh book i will say after reading it the seventh book is my favorite of the seven like all right like that's that's i am and that's just why about I'm to so... finish goblet of fire so i still go. got a, I, I still got yeah. a ways to go but i'm, I think, I'm excited i think goblet of fire i, think I will that... say that these these last few movies have not killed my my excitement or enthusiasm for reading the books yeah I was gonna say I feel like they should they should heighten them yeah. because you want to see what the, yeah. the the canon is or the. It's mostly just the, I, I want to try and refamiliarize myself with how the battle actually. Yes. Goes um, in in the book. Yeah. Um, I remember it being a lot better. Yes. <laughs> having there's, only read there's actual there's having actual, only read it like once. Right. There's actual pacing and like. Uh, uh beats and and, like character moments <sighs> all right so let's let's get a move on here go ahead um, and talk about your best worst my best thing is just going to be the performances um mm-hmm. i really think despite some weird moments uh throughout the movie um i think everybody pretty much brings their a game to it yeah um, Daniel Radcliffe's at the end when he when he's talking about the Elder Wong and Wand and he snaps it. Yeah, don't really like that scene. Don't really like the setup for that scene or the way it, like like they 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 miss they miss a few things that and it goes back to my worst thing. But uh, and we'll talk about that. But Daniel Radcliffe's acting right there, I think, is maybe my favorite of the series. That that scene right there, I think, is is my favorite scene of his yeah. the entire where he he's he's like oh, like kind of the physical acting of the way he's holding it and the way he snaps it. I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, even like the the moment where he realizes, oh, I have to go into the forest and, and get myself mm-hmm. killed, and I know you. An, another thing about um, them changing character uh, stuff with mm-hmm. him going and actually talking with Hermione and Ron. Yes, uh, that doesn't actually happen in the books because he knows that they won't let him do that. So yes. he just takes the invisibility cloak. And I believe you said the only person he tells is Neville, and he tells yes. him you have to kill the snake. Um, which is a very nice little character beat mm-hmm. that should be in the movie. Because um, mm-hmm. as it stands, we don't actually know at what point Neville realizes he needs to kill the snake, I guess. Yeah. Because he's well, attacking, cause it's well, attacking Hermione he, he, and Ron. He's like so that, knocked unconscious. Yes. He he wakes up in the middle of this battle in, in the Great Hall, and he sees the sword in, which, in the hat, and then he sees the snake attacking Ron and Hermione, and then he just goes for it. Wouldn't your first instinct to be, hey, let me pull out my wand? You know that thing that yeah. I know will, like yeah. that's that's the thing I use to fight. Yeah, and that's that's part of just them butchering another excellent scene with Neville. And yeah. Um. Anyway, I was gonna say that that like I th- when that showed, I was like I could because I hadn't seen this movie in, in long enough that I didn't really remember the exact the way it plays out. But when that showed, I was like, oh. Is it going to be like a thing where like Neville's like going through the battle, like marching through the battle to kill the snake? Like that would be such a cool thing if it's like he's got the sword like over his shoulder or something. He's he's marching through and there's just explosions in the background and and wizard blasts and spells flying everywhere, and Neville's marching through to go kill the snake, and then he goes in Harry or Hermione and Ron, and it's because it's like you see Neville in the Great Hall with a sword there. He sees the snake, then we we don't see him again for five minutes, and then he kills the snake. Yeah. 
I thought it was going to be like, oh, it's going to be a build. We're going to we're going to have like like Neville slowly, uh, you know, gets closer to the snake and then he finally kills it at the the moment it's been set up and it's a really cool like scene. I'm thinking of like um, Magneto in uh, Days of Future Past when he's marching down the hallway with the two the two metal spheres. Yeah, um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like this this like sense of like, oh man, the character's going to do something this, real cool. This constant build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's so much of that is missing from the movie where there's there's no sense of build even though the plot that you could just take from the book you haven't you haven't screwed this up enough that you can't cont- keep the main stuff that keeps the book so gripping and engaging throughout this final battle yeah but instead we'll talk about it anyway <laughs> but um special shout out to uh Helena Botham Carter yes uh, like always uh Particularly when she's having to play Hermione. Mm-hmm. I remember the last episode I complained about the older counterparts, uh, the Polyjuice counterparts yes. to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and how I didn't feel like, for the most part, they, they played the, the, you know, older versions of their, yeah. of those yeah. actors. Um, I feel like she does a very convincing job <laughs> as, as Hermione, where she's just awkward, uh, um, and she's kind of just stumbling because she's not used to those kind of shoes and whatnot. Uh-huh. Although, I think it's weird that in the ADR, Hermione doesn't do anything to try and disguise her voice. Uh, yeah. They and always then, do and that in they, these, and, though, where the characters, I mean, like, we do that, they sort of disguise them in Chamber of Secrets, but for yeah. the most part, the characters just, like, talk like themselves. Yeah. Which I always thought was odd. Yeah. But. And and then Ron goes, or, or Griphook goes, oh, they, they know she's not actually bellatrix yeah. i'm like no no kidding because she doesn't even sound like her <laughs> if you started talking to me and you had tom cruise's voice i'd go something's up with tyler i don't know what's going on what if tom cruise started talking to you but it was my voice what, what would you i could never watch a mission impossible movie <laughs> the same way again <laughs> Anyways, Tom Cruise's famous last line from Mission Impossible Fallout, stay rogue, everybody. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a here come the sequel's deep cut. <laughs> but uh, even like Robbie Coltrane is Hagrid. He's in it for like five seconds, which disappoints me to no end. Yep. But he's got a couple of great moments. Uh, McGonagall has some really good moments. Um. When Filch comes running in, students out of bed. Mm-hmm. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be out of bed, you blithering idiot. Yeah. That, that was nice. And then she she uh, has all the the concrete uh, knight soldiers yes. yeah. marching out, and she's like, "I've always wanted to use that spell." Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's that's really nice. Um, so her yeah, reaction, the acting, Harry being dead is great. Yeah, the acting all around. I I would say. I agree. It 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 really. And maybe that's why I'm not as angry about this one as you are, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like in this one, there's a lot of just like on the surface, very dramatic scenes that the actors are doing a tremendous job selling. Um, yeah. The flashback stuff with Snape, it they butcher a lot of it. There's a whole lot of stuff missing that needs to be there, but Alan right. Rickman is selling yes. it. Yeah. It's, yeah. He is selling it. I feel so bad for him because you can tell that he very much cares about this character. Yeah. And they completely ruined him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can't remember. Who's the actor that plays Dumbledore? You'll have to remind me. Michael Gambin? Yeah, okay. 
the scene in in uh, King's Cross, mm-hmm. he is selling that scene. Yes, explaining yep. everything, yep. and I'm like, I'm so interested in this scene. We, I'm okay with having more. It's, I, it feels so much like oh, if we if we linger on this too much, the audience is gonna get bored because this is a yep. movie. It's like no, if you remember when uh, remember in in um, and I. I hope this isn't a breaking our, our here come the sequels uh, uh pg policy but uh in in glorious bastards when um there's a scene where uh the the characters all have this conversation in a tavern and it goes on for like 15 minutes and it's oh it's longer most, than that it, it's one of the most gripping scenes like half an hour in a movie. at least there's like it's just literally these characters in the slow build mm-hmm. to just an all out just like shootout, um, and it's one of the coolest things ever. Remember how like if you make a good movie and you know understand pacing, then you can do pretty much any scene as long as you do it right and understand the flow of the movie and the momentum of the movie. Well, it just feels strange because remember like back with Order of the Phoenix, they cut out so much stuff at the end of of that that book with with mm-hmm. all the stuff in the department of uh mysteries mm-hmm. and it's like oh that actually feels very restrained they're willing yes. to cut the fat where need where where they need to yes as opposed to here where it's just like put more we yes. need more action the build up to people expect this to be the big epic end we got to yeah, make yeah. it even well, more epic the build up even to though the book Harry... does a pretty good job at that yeah the build up to harry getting killed should be the climax of the action yeah, it should be like we, we this this we've just gone crazy and like like there's tension and and it's like Hogwarts is under siege and everyone's dying and it's like oh god this is terrible what's happening and then we get to that point where Harry finally gives himself up it should be a a, a slow powerful just like sense of dread up to that point Harry gets killed boom we get ten minutes fifteen minutes with Dumbledore to explain why everything's gonna be okay yeah take a breather let the audience relax let the audience understand what's happening and then you get a five minute stinger scene where i mean not five minutes you can do more than that but it like basically um because in the i mean there's still more fighting after that point in the book but it's like the fighting breaks out and it's immediately obvious that the death eaters like have overwhelmed or are overwhelmed by because then like that's when like you get the house elves fight creature creature comes out and he's he's fighting with like they're all fighting with like pots and pans they all come storming out of the hogwarts kitchens i thought it would have been nice the, if you the had cheesiest creature thing yeah that would have yeah. been nice um and the centaurs come out to fight the centaurs finally finally like stand up and, and okay and, yeah like fight for hogwarts and the and grop is there the entire time but then he actually comes back for that fight and he kind of starts fighting and like like i know they were disappointed with the effects for grop in five yeah. but why the fact yeah. that he is set up there and then he never comes back is there very are other weird. giants in this movie that look fine. Yeah, on the Death Eater side, I don't understand. Um, but yeah, it's, and and so it's like the Death Eaters immediately get overwhelmed, and then Harry has. Well, I'll I'll hold off on the Voldemort Harry stuff because that's a whole other story. But basically, like that entire scene should take five or ten minutes to. Y- y- it's like the um the end of uh Two Towers. It's what it should be like. The very end where it's like, uh, Gandalf is here. We've we've taken out the army. The yeah. Ents are ruining Isengard. It's a big climactic 
finale of look the good guys won and and except there's not the sense of looming dread <laughs> coming from mordor right. um but it's just the the overall like you you get the montage of the good guys winning and, and you get some nice character beats of the good guys doing that and that should be it and then and then harry and voldemort have their their fight which should last a minute <laughs> like two yeah. maybe um yeah and instead they they take out the stuff that would be really fun character beats like the elves coming to fight and everything, which they've they've short staffed the elves the entire time, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it's it's just a mess. It's it, what they end up doing with it is just terrible. <laughs> um, so that was my best thing, and then that diverted <laughs> into that whole mess. This is going to be a theme. Yep. Um, <laughs> My worst thing is going to be the kind of perfect segue the the end the actual end confrontation between mm-hmm. Harry and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. I think okay, so we can I will go ahead and get into, get into this then once you say your piece on it. Well, I I feel like you you should mostly just take it away. I just want to say I hate it. <laughs> so um, it's pretty much just constantly like, oh hey, remember how our wands connected? Let's do that. Oh, this is boring. Let's let's fly around. Oh, and now we land and we're equidistant from our wands. This mm-hmm. is like the dumbest thing. And then they just do more of the wands connecting. And then the Voldemort actually getting defeated doesn't I feel like it's not communicated very well. Yep. Um along with Bellatrix's death which is also terrible and that happens around the same time I'll, I'll just let you take it away there's a fly in front of me okay um so uh to, to set it up so we just talked about the the build up and the, the the final release of like the Death Eaters are defeated uh Voldemort has nobody left so um what happens and what happens in the book Harry gets returned from the forest um Hagrid so we've established that Harry um I feel like I need I'll I'll start here I'll start because there's a ton of stuff we could talk about before this but I'll start at the point where Harry is leaving Dumbledore's office after he goes into the pensieve and he finds out that Snape is actually kind of a good guy uh in the movie canon so, meh, debatable um and that and he decides he he puts on the cloak and he walks out to the forest um, and he doesn't stop to say say goodbye to Hermione or Ron because he's like they're only gonna try and stop me, um, and he's like super depressed about that. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just generally super depressed. It's really powerful, and he stops and he sees Neville. Neville uh, is with Oliver Wood, and Oliver Wood is carrying off Colin Creevy, who is dead. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> and 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 so Oliver like like takes is like hey I can take him from here Neville. And so he carries him back into the into the castle, and then um, Neville is, is leaning against like the, the castle, and Harry takes off the cloak, and he's like, "Hey, uh, no, I no, I'm not running away. I just got to do something." Like he tries to, he doesn't tell Neville that he's like killing himself or anything, but he's like, "Hey, you know, I just I got to do something, uh, but I need you to kill the snake." And so Neville and Neville, to his, his great credit, is just like, "All right, sounds good, Harry." <laughs> he's like, ah, "You know what? You seem kind of crazy right now, but you know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll trust you." You're my um, boy, Neville. Yeah. You're my boy. And, and so he tells Neville that Neville's the only person he talks to on the way out. He sees Ginny, but then he doesn't stop to talk to her. Um, like a he doesn't wise, take off the cloak. A wise decision. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Harry and Ginny. And then Once he again, goes... they're just super awkward. It's just terrible. Yeah. He goes into the forest, um, 
the, the four scene plays out pretty much the same way except that the effects on the the his parents and stuff don't look all that good and it's fine but what are those those aren't the same actors that we've had throughout the entire series right they are they are okay yeah well good for them um but then he sees <laughs> he sees lupin i was it just seemed it didn't, i couldn't tell for sure uh he sees lupin in there and he talks at least, to lupin about at least i'm pretty sure it's them i yeah. I, I i think it's them close enough uh, he sees lupin and he's he's talking to him and he tells he does the same thing where he tells him about uh he's like oh i'm so sorry that you got taken away from your child which is far less effective in the movie because like we barely know anything about him and Tonks. they don't actually establish that tonks and lupin had a kid there is a brief moment at the beginning of part one where tonks is about to say that we're expecting really and and i thought i just missed it they mad eye cuts them off before they say that that they're expecting that's amazing yeah oh my gosh we also never see tonks parents which is like a thing like all of that works cut it all out if you're not gonna do it yeah god um anyway so harry goes into the forest gets killed by voldemort i remember being so upset that when they they just walk into the great hall and then lupin talks and like a bunch of different characters are just on the ground dead and i'm like at least do them the courtesy of showing them dying like this is just well ah. that's another that's another problem another tangent i can jump well so basically, th- he still finds them like that in the Great Hall, uh, but they are like the two characters that he sees, and he's like, "Holy crap, they're dead!" And that just like really hits him hard. He doesn't see Fred, Tonks, and, and Lupin. And this, there's he, just one shot of them on the ground, and this is like, okay, yeah. back, and, and back to your but but also normal programming. He is there when Fred dies. That's part of the battle. Like he's 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 trying to figure things like to fight his way through the battle to, to figure out where the diadem is and he sees there he sees Fred there Fred there and Fred dies right like he's they're they're fighting off some death eaters and it's like in the movie he just he just walks up and Fred's dead too and it's like okay here's all these characters we just killed off off screen don't worry about it it's fine um yeah it, it anyway we'll get into that so Harry goes in the forest and he talks to um or he he gets he gets killed. He, first of all, he's wearing the invisibility invisibility cloak the entire time, um, and then he he takes it off and he packs it in uh, right before he walks into the the ring of Death Eaters. Um, so he packs it in so he has it with him. With it, while they don't know, um, he he walks in. He gets killed by Voldemort. Um, has conversation with Dumbledore. Comes back up. Uh, Hagrid carries him back, and then they get there. And Voldemort tells... They get to the, the Hogwarts Hall, and Voldemort tells Hagrid to put Harry at his feet where he belongs. Like, he's like, put him on the ground. He's, he's just a dead body. Like, you, you know, it's, we, I beat him. You guys all suck. And uh, he he has... Neville doesn't, like, walk for... There's not the whole thing with, like, Voldemort telling Malfoy to, like... Or telling the kids to come over. And then, like, Malfoy, like, awkwardly comes over in the movie. Even though, like, Malfoy didn't betray Voldemort in the book or really like the Malfoy is trying to to do to stop Harry in the the book on like Dumbledore's orders like he's basically just acting like a death eater he's not really like he hasn't really defected and so that's a weird scene wait 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 wait, what walk me walk me through that so like Voldemort is like oh hey come to my side and you'll be fine but like the movie makes it seem like Malfoy has like defected and now he's coming back over to Voldemort's side. Well, I thought the idea was that uh 
they sent Malfoy in there to keep Harry from getting to the the Horcrux in the Room of Requirement. Well, the idea is that Malfoy is not necessarily acting on in the book. Malfoy is not necessarily acting on Voldemort's orders, but he is like he's like, hey, I I, I know you're trying to get. Well, for one, he's like, hey, I know you're you're trying to get this thing, and I want to stop you. Two, he's not trying to kill Harry because <laughs> he knows Voldemort wants to kill Harry, so he's trying to capture Harry and bring him back to Voldemort. It's just weird in the movie. That that entire scene is weird because it's like, like with with Voldemort asking for them to to defect because yeah. it makes it it plays it out like Malfoy's done a great job by walking. A, I don't know. Well, even furthermore, um, I think I've discussed this in the previous episode. There's a deleted scene or an alternate version mm-hmm. after Harry gets up and is like, "Hey, I'm alive!" Stun, and then he just runs away. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a moment where Draco runs out in front of Voldemort, yells yells at Harry, and then tosses him a wand. And I really wish that were in here. Yep. Because considering how I feel like overall they should have cut Malfoy from these movies if they were going to handle all this stuff yes. so, so horribly, that, that would have been a nice moment to be like, okay, I feel like, all right, he was worthwhile. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, the end scene where he's just there in... Um, at the train station i'm like this this would feel a lot more powerful if i actually felt some sympathy for malfoy (laughs) yeah um as opposed to just him and his parents just awkwardly walking away yes it's all bizarre um what's even stranger is we see a bunch of death eaters disapparating like as soon as harry gets up because everybody's like oh my god he's he's magic jesus it's oh my (laughs) god um but then they just walk away It, it feels so much like David Yates going, oh, I need this awesome shot where they're walking and they're they're, yeah. they're looking back with horrible regret. And I'm like, yeah, but does it make sense? <laughs> but are, do you know how to make movies, though? I mean, he made Order of the Phoenix. Uh, somehow. I'm... Ah! <laughs> so, uh, Voldemort's asking for defectors, right? And And which is not a thing that happens in the book. In the movie, Neville walks up and he's like he makes a nice speech um and then harry gets up and then voldemort like shoots at harry Harry, like just runs away like it's almost comical like there's a scene where harry is he 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 drops out of hagrid's arms it zooms in on voldemort's face harry shoots like one spell it might be aimed at the snake and correct me if i'm wrong i think he shoots a spell at the snake it bounces off and knocks out a bunch of death eaters behind it yeah, and then yeah. he runs as Voldemort's trying to like blow him up. Yeah, yeah, and he just like, but there's a, like, I feel like this is a shot where he like jumps over the battlements and he's like, ha ha, like it's like, it, yeah, it, it looks well, odd. It's strange because that it's not played as like a real moment of triumph. Yeah, it's so like quickly brushed over, and I feel like that moment with Draco running and like tossing Milan yeah. and stuff. There's a quick cut over to all of our heroes, and Hermione's just got this wonderful look on her face of just like pure bliss where she's yeah. just like oh my god he's alive how does yeah. what is what is going on right now i'm like i we need more of that we need some triumphant music we we need some good old john john williams score well, here so so let me keep talking about this and see how you feel about this because i feel like you'd get your moment if it played out like the book okay. and there's no reason they didn't do it this way other than because they're stupid um so uh harry he is i'm not gonna like say he, they're stupid i'm not gonna go I, that far they're movies. Let's, let's be nice. They're, 
Let's they're nice. Hollywood stupid. Let me put it <laughs> that way. Hollywood I'm sure they're great people, but they're Hollywood stupid. Um, if they're Hollywood stupid, what what does that make Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> I don't think stupid's the right word for Harvey Weinstein. I think you could find some other words for Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> that's, that, that's fair. <laughs> um, so so Harry, he's on the ground. and I was just thinking Voldemort, of the furthest extreme I could think of. <laughs> Voldemort, so he... he he call he summons the sorting hat and he's like there's not going to be any more sortings um everyone's in slytherin now like i'm going to run the school i'm going to take over the wizarding world i'm going to teach every single class yeah <laughs> Voldemort staring over a math book <laughs> um so so he's like I am I am the ruler now. I'm your headmaster. He keeps trying to silence the crowd because the crowd keeps being like, Harry, no! And then the, it keeps being like, we're going to fight you anyway! And then he keeps like silencing him and they keep breaking his charm. Um, and so then he, he, he pulls Neville over and he sticks the hat on Neville and lights the hat on fire. Oh my god. <laughs> and, and, it's, and everyone's like, oh god! And Harry is like, I've got to do something. But then Neville like throws up, or I think at that moment Grop walks back in, like like charges back in. And, like, that causes, like, partially distraction. And then Neville rips off the hat, pulls out the, the sword from the hat. Yeah. And slices Nagini's head off so that it spins in the air gloriously, like, blood flying. <laughs> so it just, like, hacks it off so that the blood, like, it goes hurling up. And Harry, in this moment, throws on the invisibility cloak. Because he's on the ground. He doesn't have to, like, slip out of Hagrid's hands or anything. He yeah. just throws on the invisibility cloak. And he starts stunning Death Eaters from underneath it. So he's like hiding himself and Hagrid's freaking out. He's like, where's Harry? I don't know what happened. And so then he's, there's like fighting going on and everything. And like, I think Voldemort is fighting like McGonagall, Kingsley and someone else all at the same time, which is such a cool thing. And I don't know why that's not a thing they chose to make like a big deal in the movie. Anyway. um, Now is this, is this all going on in that courtyard or is it actually in the great hall? It's in the Great Hall now. Okay. Like, it, it, the battle moves in the Great Hall. So the elves come out. The elves come pouring, pouring out of the, the, the kitchens. The centaurs come running out. Because on the way back, Hagrid yells at the centaurs. And he's like, I hope you idiots are happy now. What did you do? Look, Harry's dead, you you monsters. And then finally, they, they're like, all right, let's, let's, let's do something here. Um, all you had to do was say they were friends of Umbridge, Hagrid. <laughs> then we would have taken care of them. Um but so then there's the battle going on and the Death Eaters are overwhelmed and Molly it almost goes by too fast like that Bellatrix tries to kill Ginny and that's why Molly is like has the you know the famous line and everything and that scene lasts like 15 seconds yeah it's so so quickly done yeah and and so it's like they they have the battle and the battle I guess plays out about the same way Molly actually just kills her it's not like well that's the weird thing because she seems to be throwing death curses at Bellatrix, because there's yep. green flashes. Yeah. I don't but, remember exactly if they say what the curse is in the book, but it's still like. But then she she just, hits her and she dies. But then she does like some weird thing where it like starts to to shrink her or something yeah. or like and like she disintegrates and then she just disintegrates and between that and then Nagini just kind of disintegrating, disintegrating as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Voldemort just kind of fades into dust, uh, yep. Thanos yep. snap style. Yeah. Um, there's a weird lack of impact with a lot of these deaths at the end. Yeah. Where Again. it feels like they're trying to shy away from some of the violence of, like, nope, dead body right there on the ground. Again, 
action in Harry Potter is short and brutal. Yeah. And, and fairly grounded for a magical world. It's Well, it's just so weird because the, these movies are already so dark. Why are they feeling the need to, yes. to shy away from them? Especially, be, especially because, oh, that's one more special effect we have to add in. We have to <laughs> no, show right? them disintegrating. It'd be so much easier if they just died. Yeah. God. Um, so after that happens, Voldemort freaks out. He 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 sends off who whichever of the three like master wizards that he's fighting at once. He just kind of like waves them away, and then um, he turns and he goes to try and kill Molly. And then Harry throws a shield charm in between them. That's like so powerful that it like knocks him back or something. And he's like, "What the heck was that?" And then Harry rips off the cloak, and everyone's like, "Ah!" And so then. Um, <laughs> And Harry rips off the cloak. I, no, I want this this version of the movie <laughs> to actually exist. That way, I could re-edit it so everybody's screaming with <laughs> with your sound effect over all of them. So suddenly, yeah. you just hear a hundred. Ah! <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, but yeah, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, Harry's alive! This is amazing! It's a big moment of triumph!" And then Harry, and from this point on, Harry holds all the cards because he's like, he's 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 squaring up Voldemort. And Voldemort's like, "Hey." Uh, um, you're, how are you alive? Like, what the heck's happening? Like, he, he freaks out a little bit, but he's like, whatever. Right. I'm gonna kill you. I got the other one. And and Harry's like, look, look, Tom, Tom, buddy. Uh, try try to Tom, old pal of mine. <laughs> he's like, why why don't you try to to show some remorse? Because this is something Dumbledore talked about that like, and they they establish that. I don't think they ever mentioned in the books or in the movies, but in the books they establish that like, the only way to like heal the damage of a Horcrux of of making a Horcrux would be to have remorse for the action. That allow you to, allowed you to create the Horcrux, like having remorse for the fact that you killed people and like and sort of thing. And, and they established that it would be like extremely painful to go back on that, and no one would ever do it. But like Harry still, you mean there's actually a solution that that they could go back on. Like Voldemort yes. still has a choice. Yes, and so Harry's like, look. You don't understand it's how the screwed little you... things. Yeah, it's yeah. the little things exactly. that really help to strengthen this stuff. And Harry's like, "You don't understand how screwed you are right now." But I'm going to give you one more chance. Try yeah. to show some remorse for all the terrible things you've done. And he refuses because it's Voldemort. And like, of course. But Harry gives him the choice, and and then Harry explains to him like they're all just, they're just standing around like in a circle, walking in a circle, pointing wands at each other. There's no. They're not th- throwing spells at each other. They're both just... Voldemort's just like, what What are you doing? I don't like any of this. And Harry's like, completely confident. At the, the crowd is like silent and like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? Yeah. And Harry's like... And that's when Harry explains that he disarmed Draco. Um, and that gave him... And, and Voldemort doesn't... T- or Dumbledore doesn't tell him this. He puts this together for himself after Dumbledore kind of talks things... Th- just his general like path through them. Dumb or Harry realizes he's like Dumbledore's original plan was that Snape would kill Dumbledore on Dumbledore's orders so that the wand would not be would not belong to anyone. Because then it would be Dumbledore would have like basically killed himself with the wand. Or with the wand, but killed him like the 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 order of succession would be broken because no one would have really taken it from him. Yeah. With the point. But instead, because Draco disarmed him, and then Harry disarmed Draco, it's now Harry's. And so that's, the, like, the idea is, like, oh... And they explain this after the battle, where Harry explains this to Ron and Hermione. But in the book, Harry puts together this this one last mystery, and he's like, this is what has really happened. Or has really happened. And, and Voldemort's like, you're, you're wrong! I don't know what you're talking about! And Harry's like, there's only one way to find out. And, and Voldemort casts the killing curse, 
Harry mm-hmm. cast Expelliarmus, and the want or the the killing curse rebounds on him. He dies. The wand flies into the air, and the wand flies into Harry's hand. The the elder wand does. And that's it. That's the battle between Harry and Voldemort. I do like the two moment in the, in the movie where where Harry all he says with regards to that is that wand will fail you. Yeah. It will always no. fail you, and he doesn't actually explain it to Voldemort. I mean, that's I, nice. I, I, I'm okay with that, and then having him explain it to Ron and Hermione later. I don't know. I I because I feel like it's it's the the point where. We need that point where Voldemort realizes he's beaten. Um, Maybe that's fair. I feel like that's a powerful moment. Because the idea is that it's like... I don't know. I like it. I think it plays out really well. I think it would be really effective to see that. Because it would just be such a powerful moment to see Harry being like, I finally have the upper hand on you. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think it works very, very well. And so he does that. Voldemort just dies. Everyone loses their minds. Yeah. That's how the final battle plays out. From from that point on, are, are you are you telling me he doesn't say let's finish this how we started it, Tom, together, and then they falling throw them, off a cliff, <laughs> and then they throw themselves off a cliff and turn into a stupid cartoon? No, let's finish this how we started it, Tom, falling off a cliff. That that shot where it's them like intersplicing with each other as they're flying around, yes. and then like their heads merge and mm-hmm. like they start mm-hmm. screaming. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Yeah, I want to know whose idea that was. Was that Steve Clovis as he was writing the script? <laughs> How do you come up with that? That that whole scene just felt like such schlock to me. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was like, oh hey, that that visual was pretty cool when their their wands connected in part four. Let's just do that <laughs> over and over and over again. And, and then to eventually, be fair, Dumbledore will, or eventually Voldemort will disintegrate. It's fine. Yeah, eventually, just for reasons, it'll it'll start to push back on his end, and it looks like the Elder One is actually like like the disintegrating process has already started. I'm like, yes. what actually causes this? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. It's not explained, and then Voldemort just disappears into a special effect. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Another thing about the Elder One, real quick. Harry uses that to repair his own wand in the huh. book. Because it's like, Hermione couldn't repair it because the wand is completely shattered and that's yeah. not supposed to be fixable. But Harry, it's the only time the Elder Wand is ever actually used with its full power. Is it's like, oh, he can use it to repair his own wand back perfectly after it was snapped in the last movie. Does he and then destroy he the d- Elder Wand? He doesn't destroy it, he puts it back in Dumbledore's grave. He's like, we're never going to use this again. I like him destroying it. I I think that's fine too. No, I I and I because when you watch that in the movie, it, it is kind of like, why didn't he just do that? But it's weird to see him like snap it like that, but then not have the thing where he repairs his other one that was snapped in half. It's just a weird thing because it's like Harry, you don't have a one now. <laughs> like what? Are you... Harry's just like I just killed Voldemort. It's I like fine. to imagine. I like to imagine. I'm like Thor it. now. I just got lightning shooting out everywhere. <laughs> I like to imagine he snaps it, he throws it, he, he's he's looking at it, and then there's an alternate alternate scene where Hermione's like, Harry, you could have used that to repair your wand! He's like, oh, crap! Jumps back over the cliff. You don't think we've got some tape lying around, do you? <laughs> they have to go find the Elder Elder Wand so they can repair the Elder Wand. 
Also, uh, I, I had a couple of questions that I had left open from the previous yes. movie that I wanted to go ahead and bring up. Because I figure we'll just run through yes. the plot now. Now that we have finished your worst thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst <laughs> thing is one of the most important things. Yes. The actual yes. conclusion of the conflict is very exactly. poorly handled. Exactly. Um, in terms of both a story perspective and just action movie entertainment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't find it all that exciting. I think no. it's just like special effects elongating a scene just for the sake of it there's a run of about three scenes scenes uh bits might be better um three three strings of action of the uh the battle that i think are genuinely entertaining where it's like you see the soldiers uh the the armor soldiers running out and fighting death eaters on the bridges yeah um there's some like giants fighting and stuff and then you see uh Neville running across the bridge as the bridge explodes. Yeah. Um, that seems great. Yeah. that But that is like the only segment of the movie where I'm like, oh, this battle's working really well. Because <laughs> when that started, I was like, oh, this is an uptick. I bet it's going to get better from here because it's going to be like a, like uh, the Hobbit Battle of Five Armies, that extended cut we watched, where it's like, oh, it's going to be it's going to be kind of entertaining, maybe a little schlocky, but it's going to be a lot of fun and, and really cool. But then that's all they do with it. Well, it's because that's the only scene where it feels like there's actual, like, tactics or something yes. more to the battle other than Harry, Ron, and Hermione just run through the courtyard and there's just a bunch of stuff going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. Get us involved in the fight. I don't feel like we're... Mm-hmm. we're it's too separated. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, Fred dies with Harry standing beside him. Well, Lavender Brown just gets attacked by Fenrir Greyback... And, yep. like, that scene's so weird. Hermione's the one that freaks out, and she, like, knocks Fenrir out yeah. the, the window or whatever, and then Lavender's just dead. And yep. then yep. never see her again. Yep. The book is a little a more... I, I think the I think J.K. Rowling's confirmed she dies, but the book is a little more like, oh, he attacks her, and then, like, maybe she dies of her injuries later. Like, it's not... I don't know. Like it's I not said, quite, it's not. We look upon her dead body and stare into her lifeless eyes. Once again, okay, in the middle of perfect this example with how brutal that is. Exactly, and they're not willing to show Bellatrix or the snake or Voldemort's dead bodies on the yes. ground. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So, so the questions I had left. Yes. Over. Um. Why does Dumbledore not tell them how the sword works, um, and that the Deathly Hallows are indeed real? Mm-hmm. And then also, how does Snape know where to send the Patronus for Harry so that he can find the sword? So, um, are there explanations for all of this? Yes. Uh, so, well, there's not an explanation for why Dumbledore doesn't tell them about the sword. So, I will say that. Okay. That's that's a. There's an explanation of how they find it out though, and it's connected to one of those things. Um, so, uh, Phineas N- Nigelis, Nigelis, who is not in the movies ever, I don't think, um, nope. is, he's, a, he's one of Hogwarts old hes- headmasters and he is, there's this whole thing set up in the fifth book, way back in the fifth book, where there's a portrait that sometimes just makes like snide remarks to people, but it doesn't seem, it, there, there's no one in the portrait in Grimmauld place, like while Harry, where Harry, in the room that Harry and Ron stand. Yeah. Um, and later they find out that I think they find out in the fifth book that it's connected to this guy's portrait at Hogwarts in, in Dumbledore's office, and so he's the one who sees. Uh, well, 
I should say that Hermione grabs his portrait when they go back to Grimmauld Place because she's like, we can use this to try and spy on Snape and sp figure out like figure out what happened to what's happening at Hogwarts, basically. Right. Um, and so she like puts like a curse on him so that he's blinded, like he's got a blindfold on whenever he walks into frame. I don't know how that works, but hey, magic, it's fine. Uh, and so that he can never see where they are, but he's always like kind of like a combative relationship with them talking to him and trying to figure out uh, what's going on and him trying to figure out where they are. And so we, or first he tells them, they, they ask him about the sword because they, it's kind of convenient. I mean, it's fine that the movie, the movie plays it out as just Hermione finds it from a book. That's, I think that's fine for what they do here. Um, because what it is, is that they overhear Grip Hook and Tonks, his dad and Dean Thomas and, like, another goblin and then, then, like, another guy all, like, in the forest. They happen to, like, be in the same part of the forest. And they find them and they Harry and Ron and Hermione overhear them talking about how there was an attempt to steal the sword. And Griphook, that's when Griphook reveals that, oh, the sword in, he, they sent the sword to Gringotts, but it's a fake. And we didn't tell them because screw these wizards that are trying to, like, take over the world and are terrible to us. Right. Um. And so they, they question Phineas about this, and he tells them that he last saw the sword get taken out of, the, out of its case when Dumbledore used it to break the ring. And that's when, Her that's when Hermione connects, and she's like, oh my gosh, it's because it's it, like it imbued the Basilisk Venom. Um, so that's, that's a series of setups and payoffs you don't need to worry about. Like, I, I get why they just had it be like that in the first movie. However, uh, we later find out that Phineas is acting on Snape's orders uh, to try and figure out where they are. So at some point they mention in conversation that they're in the forest of Dean, I think is where they are, when, when they find the doe. And so they mention that, and that and Phineas runs back and tells, like, he hears it um, and runs back and tells Snape, he's like, hey, this is where uh, they're, they're staying. And that's how Snape finds them. Okay. So that's, there's an explanation. So um, does, and we, Snape, we, does Snape place the sword there, or is it one of those things where it shows up to somebody who needs it? Um, Dumbledore says that he has to... This is kind of vague. Dumbledore says... So this is all told through Snape's memories mm -hmm. in, in that one chapter. That's literally just Snape's memories. Right. Um, and Dumbledore tells him that he has to make sure that they, they have to earn the sword under great duress and bravery. I don't... Gryffindor sword, I guess that's the way it works. Yeah, it has to come to someone who is Gryffindor. I don't know. Something along those lines. There's an explanation. That's what it is. Is that we find out that, that Phineas was acting on Snape's orders to figure out where they are. He figures out where they are. Snape places it in somewhere that they can show off their bravery by obtaining it. So so that's why he puts it under the lake. Yes. Okay. There's a logic to it. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, a, it's sometimes a little shaky. Right, right. It's a but little, there's a uh, logic magic. to it. It's a little Star Wars uh, force, yeah, whatever. Um, but it works. It's we get told that there are reasons characters are doing things. That's that's um, my problem with these movies f coming, f trying to come at it from somebody who who hasn't obviously gotten to the last mm -hmm. book yet, um, and I haven't read it for many years, so I basically am reading yeah. it for the first time, um, or at least it feels that way. Uh, I'm trying to look at it from, just as a movie, <laughs> do things happen in a sequential <laughs> logical order that makes sense to my brain? And then they keep doing this, where it's just yes. like, you've read the book, you know what's going on, right? Yeah. Most... 60% of the people in the audience haven't read these books, okay? I'm sorry. That's, yep. just, that's just how it is. 
Yep. Um, you, you as far gotta, as it definitely you gotta be goes. smart. You gotta be yeah. smarter about that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and, and again, going back to that conversation with King's Cross, uh, or at, at Ghostly King's Cross, um, with Dumbledore and Harry, Dumbledore explicitly tells Harry, uh, the reason I, I didn't just flat out tell you about the Deathly Hallows is because I was obsessed with them as, as a kid, and I wasn't sure if you, or I, I was worried you would fall under the same, like, obsession. And, and Harry does for part of the book once he finds out about them. Yeah. Um, but he's like, like I, I said, think... like I said in the last episode, it feels almost like they could cut out everything but the Elder Wand, yep. and that there's not a real conversation about whether or not they actually believe these things exist. Yep, that is all just completely glossed over. And so, and it, and this also glosses over the fact that there's all that stuff with Dumbledore and Grindelwald that is like one quarter of the way in these movies. Yeah, and so. Dumbledore explains he's like I gave that book to Hermione because I wanted Hermione to slow you down and make sure that like she made you think logically about these things and, and yeah. made you understand the importance of them because you needed to find out about the Elder Wand but I didn't want you to find out about it and immediately be like I need to own all the Deathly Hallows so that I can I can be master of death yeah like he's he's trying to to help them figure it is a thing where he's trying to help them figure things out for themselves but there's there's logic behind that um yeah What are we doing here? That entire conversation with Harry and Dumbledore is basically useless without all the Deathly Hallows stuff, all the the Dumbledore background. Like, hardly any of that is is helpful. Yeah, it's pretty much movie. it's pretty much just like yeah, I'm reconfirming that you killed that Voldemort killed the last Horcrux, which was you. And you have a choice to go back. Like, that's pretty much all the conversation is, right? Yep. You could have had... You could have said that in 30 seconds, then left four minutes to explain this other stuff. Yep. So, let's start from the beginning. Should I just go down my list? Yep. Alright, I've got my trusty list of misgivings here. Um, We'll just go down the list, and if you... you know, it, it roughly goes, you know, it follows the movie's plot. So as we come up with more things, I'm sure we can mention them right, right. as we're already over an hour of the way in. Remember yep. when episodes of this podcast used to just be an hour? Sometimes they were less. <laughs> Our discussion of Rocky Four is like 45 minutes. Yep. <laughs> um... So at the beginning, they talk to Grip Hook and, and Ollivander about, you know, the wands and the sword. And then they figure out, oh, we need to go get the... Uh, we, we think there's a Horcrux in uh, Bellatrix's vault because she freaked out about it at Malfoy Manor. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's go. Once again, there's no explanation for why Bellatrix should think there's a sword in her vault. I know we discussed that the last episode. I just thought we should bring that back Wait, up I think again. there is... In this one. I'm pretty sure Grip Hook explains that... that um, something about the fact that they brought the the sword to the vault at the beginning of this one when they're talking with him. I mean, they brought it to the vault, of course, but why? Oh yeah, I guess there's no explanation of like why they needed to. Yeah, you know that's fair. <laughs> why not put it in Malfoy's vault? Like why? <laughs> like it's so yeah, it's yeah. so bizarre. Um, yeah. and why is Bellatrix freaking out so much about the sword? Yeah, 
like when because it's supposed to be she's freaking out so much because Voldemort gave her this super powerful thing that he's like, hey, don't lose this, and yeah. she's like, all right, I'll put it in my vault, and it's the the Horcrux, and yeah. so that's that's why she's losing her mind. Yeah. Um. Overall, like I said, I kind of I, I like um, Bellatrix being Hermione, you know, the mm-hmm. apology stuff. I, I like a lot of that stuff, the, the scene in Gringotts. Um, I'm not sure if the physics of the multiplying gold makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because at a certain point, the fact that it keeps multiplying and touching other pieces of gold and that, that would set them off, right? Or is it just... It's supposed to be... When it touches a person. When it touches a person. Okay. Like a, that a person or God. All right. I guess. Also in the, in the book, and I get why they didn't do this in the movie, but in the book, it's like molten. Like it's like flaming hot. Oh my. <laughs> so it's like even more like, oh God. Um, it's fine. But though. also, I guess that's impermanent. Like eventually yeah, the duplicates that, that go away. Good. Okay. I don't think there's really like a, an in-depth. Yeah, that, that, was, that was weird. Discussion of that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh... Then they, they leave with the dragon. I don't know. It feels just weird pacing-wise with this as it's... Trying to look at it as its own movie, and maybe that's not fair, but that's how it was released. I think um, it would have made a lot more sense to squeeze in this part into the last part. Yeah. To, sque- to squeeze in so that they, the last one ends with them flying away on the dragon. Voldemort finds Dumbledore's wand. Boom. Yeah. Because that's how, that's how it plays out, I'm pretty sure, is that Voldemort... I don't know. Maybe not. Well, no, 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 because it. So, yeah, yeah, no. I think I think the dragon thing would be the make, make the most sense. Um, I have more thoughts on that, but also I want to mention real quick that Harry uh, Imperio's a goblin, and that goblin goes down with them, and then because he he Imperioed this goblin, that goblin gets horribly murdered by the dragon. Oh yeah, Harry is directly responsible for this, and they make a joke out of it. Ron's like, well, that's unfortunate. Harry used an unforgivable curse to put somebody in harm's way and get them burned alive. And I have a large problem with that. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's that's messed up. That's that's not <laughs> Harry is better than that, question mark. At least it's not direct like Batfleck. Yeah, but I'm just saying it could doesn't be Doesn't mean it's not a I'm saying it could be worse. <laughs> okay. Um so then they realize, oh God, Voldemort, he's, he's, he realizes what we're doing. He knows we're hunting yes. Horcruxes. We got to go to Hogwarts and, and take care of business. So major, major structural tension problem. Um, number one, <laughs> in chronologically, number one, we've already talked about several, uh, Voldemort, he, he finds out they broke into Gringotts and he's like, oh Lord, do they know? So he freaks out. And then he starts tracking down the other Horcruxes because he's like, "Surely they don't know, but I should probably check on this, right? Because that could they could kill me." And so then he goes and he takes, he goes to um, like where the ring was, you know, the place that we never saw in the sixth movie, uh, where the uh, where his, his... Well, that stuff with the ring that that drives yes. me up the wall. Yes, it's just ridiculous. Um, he goes there and he finds that he finds that it's empty that his hiding spot has been dug up and whatever and he's like yeah and so then he's like all right i'll check on i'll check on the locket next um because because the ring he has a logic too because he's like oh i got it i should check on the ring first because uh dumbledore could have tracked down the connection with my family 
so I should right. go check on the ring. And so then once he gets there, he's like, "What? O- which? O- what other ones could they have found? Well, what about um, the orphanage? He's like, maybe Dumbledore could have tracked on the orphanage. I should go check on the cave. And so he goes to check on the cave, and then he finds the cave, and the cave's empty. And he's like, oh, my lord. Uh, we have... <laughs> wait, this is a problem. Um, and then, am I missing one? Because he already knows about the diary being destroyed accidentally, like he that, yeah. just assumed that was... Or put that up to accident. I, I guess that's it. Um, I still have questions about the, the diary and the, the yeah. logistics of of Lucius's plan, um, because well, apparently the, no, he, because he hasn't been in contact with with Voldemort at all. Yes, no. The idea that in the in the book at least, and I don't think they ever really say this enough in the movie. The idea in the book is that Lucius is like Voldemort's gone. I need to get rid of dark stuff in my in my basement. Like, I need to get rid of this crap. Right. The, Voldemort told me this was a powerful dark item. I'm gonna try and bl- I'm gonna try and give it to the Weasleys' little daughters so that they can get they can have that blemish on them, and like I can knock out two birds with one stone by getting rid of this thing and pawning it off on somebody else, making okay. their problem. He he doesn't know like anything about like the Horcrux. He doesn't he wasn't told by Voldemort to do anything with that. That's just that's what happened with that and then Voldemort is like you're an idiot and there's a point where he he talks about the fact that both the the horcruxes he gave to Lucius and Bellatrix they handled them so carelessly like they they didn't protect them so that's that (laughs) okay you win this round yes so then they decide (laughs) Rowling you win this round (laughs) um is it is it weird well, that so far my only plot hole in this whole series, other than the whole money thing, is, um, and that's just something that they don't explain, is is the fact that, that Dumbledore doesn't tell them about the sword. Yep, <laughs> that's, that's that's my that's the one blemish in in this this series so far, at least from from what I've I've gleaned yeah. from it. You know? Um, I was but I was gonna say, so Voldemort goes and he goes to check on his Horcruxes, he goes to check on the ring, and he goes to check on the locket. Um, but the thing is, he does this while Harry and Harry, Ron, and Hermione go back are going back to Hogwarts, getting inside Hogwarts, checking on the the trying to figure out where the last Horcrux is. Like while that is happening, Voldemort is going to check on these things. Yeah. So it's a race. Like Voldemort's like, I'll save Hogwarts for last. There's no way anyone could have ever found that diadem. I'll right. Save it for last. Um, I'm gonna check on the other two first. Harry keeps getting glimpses of him checking on these things and him losing his mind when he finds out that they're they're gone. Right. And so that's a, a it's a ticking time bomb, classic classic dramatic tension builder. You have a thing. You, you know Voldemort's going to come to Hogwarts eventually. It's a ma- it's a matter of how long it takes. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's it's they've got a race against the clock to get this before Voldemort but, but figures it, out that they are there. But it's not like a literal ticking time bomb, like uh, Dark Knight Rises right, or right. something, um, <laughs> or Batman the movie. Um, the, the, is that the, that's where the bomb comes from, right? With with the, oh the, right, 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 the right. 60s movie. Sorry, yeah, that's that's um, what you're thinking of. I was yeah. I was thinking about the end with the, with the dehydrated politicians. I'm like, <laughs> wait, how do, how is that a ticking time bomb? <laughs> yes. Uh, so we anyway, have to that's... put we have to put the 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 dust back together in the different piles. They're a ticking time bomb. <laughs> So in the movie, it seems like Voldemort... This is why I don't write movies, kids. That would be my dialogue. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. It's perfect. Uh, 
Thank in the you. movie, Harry finds out that, and Voldemort finds, or Voldemort finds out about all the Horcruxes being found, like at the same time. Voldemort's yeah. like, "I'm gonna check on my Horcruxes, I guess, or maybe he feels them." Like the idea is that he feels them, even though the whole point in the in the book is that he's done, he's gone too far by splitting his soul into so many parts that he doesn't feel anything anymore. So okay, so, so that that's a huge difference. Every yes. time a a Horcrux is killed in the movies, he feels it. Yes. Okay. That seems to be what they're going for there, and. That's not what happens in the book at all. The point is that he's gone too far, and he's been too arrogant, and because of that, he he doesn't realize that he can no longer feel them being destroyed because like yeah, he spread himself too thin. Um, and so that so we set up the tension that's supposed to be going through and does not because instead, Voldemort finds out about this and then just sort of like twiddles his thumbs for a little while, I guess, while Harry and Ron and Hermione run to the Hogwarts. And another thing I like though, mm-hmm. I like the scene where he kills everyone in Gringotts. Because of how bloody it is, like yeah. when when we're we're at the the end of that stuff, and it's just Voldemort's walking over the dead bodies, and Nagini's following him, and he's talking yeah. about how Nagini needs to stay close to him. Everyone, the blood everywhere. Yeah. Once again, this movie is selectively be more violent. <laughs> it's it selectively chooses when to be violent. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. So then they decide to go to Hogsmeade, and uh, a siren immediately goes off when they get there. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I believe the actual... This is the most nitpicky thing I've ever brought up on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I believe the sound effect that they use for that siren utilizes the, the generic cat screech noise. If you... I'll need you to insert some some audio of of this sound. <laughs> oh god! But it's like it's like you know, like the Wilhelm scream. It's used everywhere. Um, it's like the most generic cat screech sound. Fascinating that they put into this. I I feel like once I like I found a video of it. Once I uh-huh. send it to you and you listen to it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, like I don't know if I'll put it in the uh, in the podcast. I'll put it. I'll I'll, I'll link it in the description. Okay, if... that'll work. <laughs> um, but but seriously, like go go online, go on YouTube, and look up like generic cat screech or cat mm-hmm. screech. It should be like one of the first ones that pops up. It's it's like the most generic. Like you put it in a movie or a TV show when you don't actually want to have a cat. You just have yeah. the noise, and it's supposed to be like a gag. Like, yeah. Oh, someone throws something out the window, and then there's a cat. Yeah. It's like, oh, we toss something out the window and then you hear, like, a cat down below, like, in a dumpster or something, and they screech. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. It distracted me to no end. Anyways, moving on. Um, Then we get the whole scene with Aberforth, and we we get some light explanation as to how he has Sirius's mirror, even though it's so poorly handled. set up. At that point, just don't even have an explanation. Yeah. Harry has like a it's no longer like Harry had the other mirror. It's Harry had a piece of the mirror. Yeah. And like well Harry goes it belonged to Sirius and I'm like I didn't know that. Yeah, what Why does he have why did Harry not take the whole mirror if it belo- why does he have a piece of it? It doesn't make any sense. What? Yeah. Which for explanation the point in the book is that he has Sirius gives him that mirror. And then he he throws it in his uh, his trunk or something like that, or otherwise just like forgets about it in his trunk and it gets it gets broken up. But yeah. then like that's the biggest piece that remains of it. And then 
Aberforth has the other piece, like or the other entire mirror, I should say. So. Okay. Um, but then once again, we've already talked about it, but Aberforth and Harry get into an argument, and that kind of ends the ambiguity of Dumbledore subplot. Yes. Um, we don't get any explanation for what happened to his sister, because she's in the painting, and it's weird. She goes and gets Neville. Um, then they show up in the Room of Requirement, I believe, because that's where mm-hmm. all the students have hidden. Uh, that, that was kind of a nice moment where Harry shows back up, and they bring back yep. the, the Harry Potter theme and everything. Yep. Um, then Cho's there. I don't know why Cho is there, because she She's there trade. in the book, too. She's a year older than them, yeah. right? Did that was get... always my thought, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't I, know. I am pretty sure she is, a, she is a year older than them. I don't know if it's like she just went there. Did she get held back? No, I think she actually shows up with more people. Like, I think more people start coming by, like Luna, and, and that's when Luna shows up. Like, more people start coming because it's like, oh because they're summoning Dumbledore's army back yeah that is yeah. what it is is that they're summoning summoning everyone back with the coins and everything and so everyone's like answering the call and coins oh that's not even a thing in the movie is it no it is not um where where in the in order of the phoenix they use coins that Hermione like Hermione like gets the idea from the death eaters with their dark marks yeah she uses coins that she can change she has one coin that she changes like a date on and that tells everyone else like it changes the date on everyone else's coin Okay. It's like a fake coin, and so it, it tells them when the their meetings are going to be. Okay, and so well, that's like we didn't need that. That would have been a nice detail. But yeah, yeah, no, that. that's. But I'm just saying the fact that everyone they're summoning the people from Dumbledore's army. That's why they're showing back up, even though okay. in the movies Cho is the one who betrays Dumbledore's army. So yeah, that's weird. This is weird. Then Luna's Except just, just because of, I don't want to. What continue? Luna's just there. Um, they decide. Uh, hey, Severus is just calling them all into the Great Hall even though they're all... Wait, 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 wait. We forgot that Harry sees Ginny and they stare at each other for ten seconds, as is the classic means of communicating romance. I do like when Ron goes, oh, no no, no reaction for me. I'm her brother. And then, <laughs> and then Seamus goes, is this... she, she's got six brothers, there's only one Harry. Shut does... up, Seamus. Does... Does she... Does Harry... Does Ron want want her to stare at him for 10 seconds is that is that i think it's going? i think it's more she he no, wants no, 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 some I'm, kind I'm, of I'm greeting joking, you joking, know okay it's, it's just <laughs> it's just a dumb continuation of a terribly handled romance that yep. works much better in the book right agreed um still should have been luna yep don't at me um <laughs> but then they they go into the great hall even you though can should... at him at the real donald trump <laughs> on twitter <laughs> Everyone go flood Trump's <laughs> Trump's mentions with Harry should have been with Luna Flaming Nargles forever The fact that they were not together Is a tremendous <laughs> waste It's a tremendous waste Lord Alright continue Um, So they decide to go into the Great Hall And they sneak Harry in there Which I'm a little confused by Why couldn't they just stay in the room of requirement Why do they feel yeah, the need so to do that me- let me talk about the way this plays out because okay. Harry goes up to the Ravenclaw Tower with Luna, and it, there's a nice bit where Cho is there, and and, and Cho's like, "I'll show you Ravenclaw Tower, Harry," and then Ginny's like, "No, Luna will take him," and it's like a little oh, Ginny <laughs> just goes, "Crucio, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to get up, <laughs> my man." <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a loot. They go under the invisibility cloak. They go up there again. They don't use the invisibility cloak like at all in these movies, and I don't these last no. two movies. And I don't know why they use it. He one time uses they that. use it one time in this movie, and that's to get into Gringotts. That is yeah. the only time this that it's used. Yeah, yeah. You know um, what I would have done? You know that that bit where where you know so the security stuff goes off in Gringotts and they fall mm-hmm. out of the thing. They lose the invisibility cloak. It falls down the shaft. They can't get it. Yeah, if you're going to do it like that. <laughs> it's one of the Deathly Hallows. That's Either make never, it important That is or never addressed in this be movie. Be done with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Harry and Luna, they go up there, and then um, they take off the cloak to inspect, like, a statue there that has the diadem, like, a statue of the diadem as part yeah. of the statue. And uh, one of the... Uh, Electo Caro who is one of the Death Eaters who's now working at Hogwarts is there and she uh, like jumps out and attacks it may be Amicus I don't know there's two of them the female one jumps out and attacks them and uh, the or McGonagall like they Luna is still under the cloak or something I think and so she stuns her and McGonagall shows up and McGonagall actually like imperiouses her <laughs> the, the Death Eater when the Death Eater starts to get back up, or something like that, her brother shows up. It's it's a whole thing. So that's how Harry and McGonagall re- reunite. And then Harry is back under the invisibility cloak. Snape shows up. McGonagall and the other teachers band together to attack Snape. They drive Snape off. Um, basically, they stagger out these different. Like this is a series of scenes as Harry slowly returns to Hogwarts. They put them all in one scene in the movie. Yeah. Like the bit about Filch. So it's it's really weird because Voldemort's voice comes over. Hogwarts and tells him like, "Oh, give up Harry Potter," and then Pansy Parkinson is like, "He's right there, get him!" Uh, and then everyone bands like stands up and starts to like get in front of Harry. Yeah, which in the book is just like, "Oh, that's a really nice moment," but th- they do this and they immediately intercut it like before we really get like a payoff of that. It's literally like everyone stands up, everyone gets in front of Harry, and then suddenly Filch comes running in, screaming, "Students out of bed." Which, those are all bits from the book, but they put them all into, like, one thing, and, like, there's not really a lot of emotion to it. It's just like, ah, get through that. All right, we got through all those things. Two points I got here. Mm-hmm. Despite me questioning them sneaking Harry down there and, and why they actually leave the room of requirements, that's, yeah. that's all shaky, whatever. I do like Harry walking out and standing up in front of Snape. Yes, no, I do agree with that. That's a nice bit. Um... I really like his line. It seems that despite your uh, exhaustive efforts, you still have a bit of a security problem, Headmaster. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I was um, half expecting them to be like, well, remember, Headmaster, I must not tell lie. Oh, crap, you're not a bridge. <laughs> and then he starts yelling at him. He's like, why Why tell them how, how yeah. you, you murdered him? Uh, and then McGonagall <laughs> starts to, to take on Snape, and it's pretty awesome. Yep. Um, no, the, and it's they, quick. It's quick. Yes. We, it is possible. <laughs> um, but then uh, Voldemort like starts talking to all of them. Is the, does this happen in the book? It, does it just like randomly like one girl screams, no. then another girl screams? That seems so weird and so like the very book, staged. I guess the book, because yeah. because it's. One girl screams. She stops. Immediately cuts to another yeah. girl screams. It's like, she is stops. He, it, it, it's implied it's like, is he in their head? Like, is he, like, freaking them out? Like, it's is very he strange. causing them pain? Yeah. 
Um, like them specifically. Anyway, yeah. the the movie or the book is it's just Voldemort and he's speaking real loud. Like he's yeah. he it's his normal voice. He's not like speaking in half parcel tongue. He's just like I'm. Hey, it's uh, Voldemort here coming from uh, Hogsmeade, live from Hogsmeade. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys all your favorite. You won't get away with stealing my Horcruxes hits. Um, <laughs> 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 So yeah, that's, that, was, that was very good. <laughs> I tried. Inspiration struck me, um, but yeah, that's he's just and now talking for some to them. tunes. What's that? We've got Nickelback on, <laughs> and then that plays over the entire uh, final half hour of this movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's all it is. It's just like Voldemort's talking real loud, and everyone's kind of freaked out. There's a, there's a Nickelback song called "Burn It to the Ground." It's fine. It works. <laughs> not not really at all. Um, but yeah, it's. Yes, I just added myself as knowing an actual name to a Nickelback song that's not Photograph. <laughs> How uh, embarrassing. I agree. <laughs> so, there's that. And that kind of plays into what we'll talk about with the memory stuff and the fact that they the, these last four movies have... Or three movies, really, I guess, have an obsession with showing pensive memories, pensive memories uh, yeah. in like a weird light so that they don't... It's not like oh, it's not like from the the Chamber of Secrets movie, or even from the fourth one where they're just kind of like sepia tone and that's that's about it. Yeah, it's like oh, we have to make them all weird and like it's it the shot they're shot oddly. We can't just get the information we need from them. We have to like make it seem weird and, be, and distract the audience by like having weird color palettes and stuff. Right. Anyway, um, did you have another point on that? I feel like I forgot something. Oh my my last point. I really don't like that all of the Slytherins are sent down into the dungeon. That really yeah. cements them going, yeah, if you're Slytherin, you're bad. Like, yeah. There's a nice bit in the book where uh, her, or McGonagall is talking to Slughorn. Mm-hmm. And Slughorn's like, oh, I don't know, Vol- fighting Voldemort, it's kind of scary, I don't know about that, guys. And then McGonagall's like, it's time for Slytherin to choose their allegiance. And... Well, especially so because Slughorn, Slughorn actually stands with them. It, he's so scared of getting involved with Death Eater stuff. He's like, they yes. they were harassing me. They were trying to get me to join them, and I didn't. And I'm terrified. Yes. Um, and the Slytherins, I don't think any of the Slytherins Slughorn really. Slughorn gets like one line of dialogue in this movie. Yep. What is that? Yep. I don't think the Slytherins really like any of them really stay behind to help because there's also a whole thing where like they they evacuate Hogwarts into Hogsmeade through Aberforth Sabar to like disapparate everybody yeah and so only the people only the kids of age are supposed to stay and so it's like and it plays it it's like none of the Slytherins really stay but then uh some of the Ravenclaws do and even more Hufflepuffs and like pretty much all the Gryffindors try and stay and Goggle keeps being like you guys are underage get out that is one thing that I I was kind of that kind of bothered me as well thinking about Mm. it do all the kids just like consent to fighting? What? Yeah, yeah. It's like what? At least say Filch take all of the Slytherins and whoever wants to not fight down into the dungeon and keep them there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, especially because apparently I'm a Slytherin. I found that offensive. <laughs> Didn't like it. I believe it. Didn't like it. Um. Once again, try and try and flesh out some of the Slytherins a bit more. Not all of them are bad people. This, yeah. And that's the, that's the problem. Slughorn could have been a huge opportunity to do that. And I think it makes... I think it's... 
hugely cements my point that they never actually say that Slughorn is indeed a Slytherin. Yep. That is never established in these movies. Mm-hmm. And that bothers me to no end. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do, we, do so, you have anything else, or are we, are we moving on? Yeah, um, I was just going to say at this point, this is a relevant time to bring this up. Okay. Uh, Harry finds out about... So, like, in this movie, Harry doesn't know that Nagini is a hor- Horcrux yet. Um, and then Dumb- or Voldemort at some point puts that image into his head. Like, mm-hmm. the, I forget exactly how it plays out or what the scene is, but Voldemort does something where Harry has that flash and he's like, the snake, the snake is the other Horcrux. Yeah. The same thing happens with um, the diadem where Voldemort's like, oh, hey, it's uh, it's a Ravenclaw thing. Where, like, the the purpose of the sixth book is to establish Dumbledore knows about the ring. He destroyed the ring. He knows about the locket. Yeah. He knows that we, we get a scene where he under... or where we... we ha- that gives us great suspicion that Voldemort has turned Helga Hufflepuff's cup into Horcrux. Um... We get one where he, we figure out that the snake, like Dumbledore just deduces that the snake is a Horcrux. And so he, Harry already knows that going into the seventh book, not even this movie. Um, and then... They don't establish that the the cup belongs to Helga Hufflepuff. Nope. They're just like, there's a Horcrux in Bellatrix's vault, right? Let's go find it. And then it's just like, oh, we found the cup. Yeah. It's a cup for some there's... reason. There's no point at which we establish Voldemort's obsessions and kind of the flaws that he has with history, and and that's why he came back to Hogwarts to try and, uh, or came that that's why he comes back to Hogwarts in the books at least. At one point he does to hide Raven because there's a whole thing where Ravenclaw Ravenclaw's diadem, um, like gets hidden in Albany. Oh no, sorry, Albania words, um. No, it gets hidden in Albany. <laughs> um, but that's that's where Ravenclaw, Roy, or that's where uh, Helena Ravenclaw takes the diadem after she steals it. And then there's a whole there's a whole little subplot that's fine that it's not in the movie where the Bloody Baron, uh, Slytherin's house ghost, yeah, uh, tracks her, is in love with her, tracks her down, tries to get her to return, and kills her when she doesn't return, and then kills himself because he's like overcome with what he's done. Uh, so that's a fun little like <laughs> side bit, uh, but then the the diadem gets left there, and so then Voldemort, when he gets uh, taken from power, um, or Vol- Voldemort actually he goes there originally, he tracks it down and he finds it, and so then that's it's it's established that's why he's familiar with that area, and that's why that he goes there to hide when he gets like discorporeal after Harry kills him, right? Um, and like as a baby, and so that's a whole side bit and then it, the idea is that Voldemort actually comes back to Hogwarts later to return it there and none of that is like slightly there we don't need all those details but there's there's a general sense of Voldemort is obsessed with the history of Hogwarts Hogwarts is like his school his his one like true home because as a kid he was very similar to Harry in that in that way um you mean it's, it's a just, way of saying to the audience hey they're very similar without actually having to say you know, the more I think about it, you two are very similar. Yes. I really didn't like that, the scene where he Harry tries to go and talk to the ghost, the, the gray lady, and she's like, you know, you remind me a lot of him. And I really wanted him to go, <laughs> everyone tells me this. I get it. 
I overcame Except my Except your eyes. Care. You have your mother's eyes. And then he just hands her a DVD copy of Order of the Phoenix and goes, Hey, I had a character arc in this one where I got over the fact that we're similar. And I focused on why we're different. Yeah. Which is the thing. It's is a that good movie. movie. You should watch it. I rated five stars on Amazon. This, this, this <laughs> the seventh movie is Oh, about excuse me. Her... I rated five stars on Wizard Amazon. <laughs> the seventh Coming book is soon about... to a leaky yeah. cauldron near you. Lord. The seventh book is about him taking advantage of his connections with Voldemort to overcome him and like embracing that part of him and, and, that sort of thing and so it's yeah, yeah it's it where it feels like a treading water in that regard. but anyway i was gonna say the fact that voldemort just it tips him off as to how like he's just like oh this is where this this horcrux is this is where this other horcrux is you never had to do any real work to figure that out um it's just such a lazy like we're taking out the part where the characters actually do work to to make sure that they're able to do this I feel like it's one of those things where if that was kind of the one main concession that the the adaptation had, where it's like everything else is close enough to what actually happens in the book without having to monkey around with no. things. I feel like if that was the one thing where it was like, look, just for the sake of runtime, we just condensed it to that. I feel like well, we wouldn't be complaining my, about it as much. My problem with it, the reason I'm complaining about it, is because I talked about this in the last episode, and we've talked about it before with this series. The movies do such a bad job of taking away the character's sense of, of choice and preparation. And Being proactive. Proactivity, yeah. It takes away their agency where they don't do anything. The plot happens to them, and then they're like, we gotta go do a thing. And they, they show up in another place, and something happens, and then yeah. they, they move on. They're always reacting. They never are preparing, which is the exact opposite of the entire, like, the books are constantly about these characters trying to figure out mysteries and, and, and get ahead of things, and figure out, you know, how to uh, put in their own solutions for things, because they don't trust that other people are going to do it for them. Right. And that bothers me greatly that like it's it, on its own, that would be a small thing. But the fact that that is the general philosophy of these movies is why it bothers me so much. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so then they kind of go their separate ways. Uh, Ron has the epiphany that, Hey, we can go get a basilisk fang from the chamber of secrets, which I like that very much that they actually go to the chamber yep. of secrets. We get to I see believe. I know the door is, like, the physical prop. I don't know if it's the exact same. They probably rebuilt it. But the actual inside of the chamber appears to be all CGI. That kind of bothered me. But at the same time, you don't need to rebuild that whole thing for that. What does bother me is that they killed the... the, This thing starts happening where when they they destroy the cup and when they destroy the diadem, like, the water all floods out of the chamber. And, like, when they destroy the diadem, the fiendfire stuff turns into Voldemort's faces. Yeah. It's very strange. That happens with the water as well. There's like several Voldemort okay, faces maybe in there. Yeah. Um there's a nice bit where where like there I like I do like the overall some of the scenes between Ron and Hermione in this where like Hermione like basically falls head over heels for him because he actually like except they again they leave out um there's a bit where Ron in the book tells uh he asks he's like, "Hey, um, we. I think it's in the room requirement. He's like, "What about the house elves?" 
And then Harry's like, you think we need to get the house elves to fight for us? And Ron's like, no, they're just in danger. Like, genuinely is, like, concerned about them. And Hermione, that's when Hermione just kisses him full on in the mouth. Like, she just loses her mind. Um, she's like, that's the hottest thing you've ever said. <laughs> and, um, As opposed to this where they, they go ahead and they make out. Yes. Um, after they're covered in sewer water. Yes. And then he goes, oh, hey, the, the Marauder's Map. Let's look at that. Oh, Harry's probably in the room of requirement. You said that last year, that like you can't find it on the map. Yeah. And she's like, Brilliant. Yeah. Like, oh, but you already you already had the moment after you were covered in <laughs> sewer water. You, you miss, again, they just After keep, you were covered in sewer water. They keep butchering the structure of it. I don't Yeah. They're covered in sewer water. <laughs> like that was such a strange scene to me. Also, Hermione gets nothing to do in this movie. Yep. She she literally does nothing. Remember that part where I oh, said she, that, like... She, she stabs the one Horcrux because Ron says, hey, you can do this, even though it's like, okay. <laughs> there's no danger whatsoever. There's, um, there's not, like, a challenge to it. There's It's not like Ron, you know, confronting, like, his... His, his demons. Inse- his insecurities. Yeah. Hermione doesn't confront anything because Hermione's <laughs> perfect. She confronts sewer water. <laughs> And she overcame it. All right, never mind. <laughs> this movie is perfect. No flaws whatsoever. A you, plus Tyler, plus. you've done the inverse of what you you're, you've been trying to do for the past hour Correct. and forty minutes. You I've actually sold me on this movie. This movie is perfect. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's around this time in the book that Fred dies. Uh, let's talk about Percy because Percy has Who? shown up. He's shown up when in these movies? He, he's in... He's in one and two, pretty yes. actively. We recognize him as a character. Three, he's in it very briefly. Um, four, he's not there, I don't think. And they don't... Esta- well, four is when they establish... Or no, sorry. Five is when they establish that Percy is like... Cut himself off from his family. In the, mo- in the book. I don't know if they do that in the movie. The only thing we get of Percy in number five is he's he is holding on to Harry in the office when Umbridge and Fudge confront Dumbledore about Dumbledore's army. Right. That's the only scene. That is the only scene we yes. get of Percy. Um, like number four, his whole obsession, like he works under Barty Crouch, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, he's such a great man. He's such a great wizard. I'll I, I'll I'll do all of his work for him. It's fine." Yeah. Um. And that's all cut, which mm-hmm. is is fine, and and the, the long, you know, in the scheme, the grand scheme of things, but right. Um, so Harry uh, Percy just shows back up, no dialogue, and he's just there. And I feel like if you're a normal audience member that doesn't watch these movies very often, and you just kind of see them at the theater, you, you wouldn't even notice him. It's just kind exactly. of exactly the book. There's this long bit in the books. There's this long build where Percy continually, um, they keep thinking he's going to come back to them. Because yeah. he's he's get he's cut them off in by the beginning of the fifth one, like they all thought that when Harry came back with Cedric, they were like, or no, it's when Harry comes back with Cedric, they he's like Percy's buying into all the media propaganda, um, yeah. from like the Ministry and everything about like oh no Harry's just a crackpot and so is Dumbledore, um, the, Percy buys into that and so he cuts himself off from the family. Um, there's a couple of times where he shows up like at the burrow or I think just once where he shows up at the burrow and tries to like sort of reunite but then storms off like they and and so they keep setting up things where like his family keeps thinking he's going to come back like after Voldemort returns and that sort of thing right and then he doesn't um and so this has been building up for so long and then finally he's the last one to come through into the room of requirement um 
and he's like, "Is it too late? I'm I'm sorry." Like I like he finally reunites with his family, right? Um, and then so that he's he takes part in the battle, and, and his family's like, "Oh my gosh, you're back!" Ah! Um, and then um, he is with Fred when they're they're fighting Death Eaters, and he, he tells the Minister of Magic, who is um. I think Voldemort just kills him at one point in this movie, like off, just off screen, or not off screen, but uh, outside of the battle, for like saying something against him or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's the Minister of Magic that Voldemort like kind of installed, and so then he, uh, they're fighting him, and Percy's like, uh, "Hello, Minister. I'm sorry, but I'll be resigning." Um, and then like suns him or whatever, and, and Fred's like, "You just joke. You're joking, Percy. You're actually joking." And it's like this really nice moment, and then everything blows up, and Fred dies. And it's like this really heart wrenching, like, yeah. Percy finally reunited. He and he and Fred like had like an actual connection, and like came back together. And then Fred gets killed, and Harry's there, and he's like, "What the crap just happened?" Because yeah. like no one has really died yet that Fred, that Harry's seen, and so then Harry's like, "Oh." God, what have I gotten myself into? All they're these people are going to die. They're holding on to to what's left of Fred, and they're going. I think we can put it back <laughs> in. Yeah, uh, and so that just like breaks Harry. Um, and then they, Harry continues on with with destroying the diadem. Yeah, um, and he's like, I got to do it for Fred. Like we 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 have to stop it in this. This is madness. Um, very impactful moment. Uh, yeah, and that's the the movie. We find him, and he's dead. He's, he's walking. He's... But anyways, where we left <laughs> off, after they were drenched in sewer me, water okay? and snogged, because right. that's a word, Right. Harry goes to the room of requirement, Draco confronts him, and this is one thing that I liked. They kind of did correct one of my problems with the last movie a bit. Harry does ask Draco why he didn't ID him at Malfoy Manor. Uh-huh. I still think the the movie commu- the the first part communicates that whole scene poorly. Yeah, but at least there is that little moment. What is Malfoy saying? I think I missed that. I think he kind of just passes by it, like he kind of just ah. skates by it. Yeah. Good. Remember when you said we could probably cut Malfoy out of these movies? <laughs> we can. So they have the scene with the the, the diadem. They find the diadem, and yeah. uh, then Crab sets off the fire. Uh, fire looks really cool. Them flying around the fire looks real bad. It looks terrible. So this is something I should probably point out because I consider this my worst thing. Uh, it's not. It's not like it doesn't affect the actual movie enough for me to put, have made it my worst thing. There are some terrible effects in this movie. Yeah. Once again, the Harry Potter series is so strange for being such a mixed bag of special effects. Yes. The Great Lady does not look very good. I all. think I think a lot of a lot of it has to do with the, the, the uh desaturation. Agreed. Because in that scene, I think I, I sent a joking text to you about this. Harry looks as pale as the Grey Lady. Yep. He looks like a ghost in that. There's I had couple, to turn my brain up to watch this movie. On my there's TV. a there's a couple of scenes where Harry is so pale it looks like a special effect. Yep. There's a scene where like when he's talking with Aberforth and it just cuts to him and he's like, I don't care about what happened between you and your brother. It doesn't look real. Yep. And it's so strange 
because the first scene in this movie when they're back at Shell Cottage, it actually doesn't look bad. And maybe that's just because it's shot during the day. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But, like, the lighting doesn't look too terrible. Um, they don't look weird. But for some reason, the fact that they desaturate this so much, they don't look right. No, yeah, I agree. It's it's a problem. It's like, it's like, it's almost like adding a Snapchat filter over something, and it's just like, it doesn't look real. Mm-hmm. And then they don't, nah, they don't fix it for the final scene. They don't... Oh, we'll talk about... We'll, we'll, let it, let ah. it, final talking point there. Let's put a pin in that. The performances um, are trying so hard to get yeah. past this filth. <laughs> So then um, Harry realizes that they need to go down to the little docking area for the boats. Fun fact, uh, that scene takes place in the Shrieking Shack in the book, which would be a neat little thing because they have to go back through the passageway and everything. It's fine. I mean, it's not like a major major deal, but it's just interesting. Well, I do have one question. Why does Voldemort not use the death curse on Snape. Why does he slit I, he I cut his throat thought, and then send Nagini after him? In the in the in the the book he just sends Nagini after him, but yeah, it's the same idea. I wonder if the implication is supposed to be that he doesn't think the wand will work because he thinks Snape is the owner. Because at that point, remember, that's why he kills him is because he's like, oh, you must be the owner because you killed Dumbledore. So I feel like that's what that's supposed to be implying. They don't really like lay it out in either case. But okay, I think it's so supposed he, to be that... he, he thinks that, oh, I can't use the try, wand on him. I can't use a death curse on him because he owns this wand. Yes. It won't work. Yes, exactly. Okay. Except he does actually use the wand on him in the movie, which is... Yeah, he uses odd. it to cut his throat, yeah. So I don't, it, it's kind of just like, why does he... Whatever. I think that's the idea, at least in the book, is that it's like, oh. Yeah. Uh... But then uh, we go go back to the the Great Hall and people are just dead that we kind of liked. So well, that's do we want to talk about Snape's death scene? Because it's very not, strange. Not to me. really. Because I, Harry I'm, walks I'm, up to him. I'm running out of steam. I just <laughs> I want to stop recording. And go read the books. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, Harry walks out to him and he. Like Harry is like lovingly like holding him like you're it's gonna be okay like like that kind of like demeanor, yeah. which is odd direction because Harry has no reason other than to just completely abhor this guy right now, yeah. like he just should hate his guts. So that's strange. Um, and I'll, Harry or I think Alan Rickman ad libbed the line, uh, "You have your mother's eyes," which is nice. That's, that's the movie thing. However. Um, We'll get into why there's a weird plot hole there. Or inconsistency, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which Um, everybody likes to point to, like, that's the one flaw of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going... That would be the most... That's that's the backbreaker of this movie? (laughs) That's the most permissible, like, you are fine, don't worry about it, mistakes happen flaw of anything we've talked about so far. Um... So yeah, they go back to the Great Hall. Fred and Lupin and Tonks are dead, and there's not really much reaction other than, oh, well, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah. What a shame. And then Harry just, like, wanders off. Um, so Harry goes up to Dumbledore's office. Is there... Am I missing anything else? No, that's about it. Uh, he goes up to Dumbledore's office, and he... Uh, oh, I guess Voldemort messages... He, he IMs them all and says, hey... <laughs> Uh, Harry, you're a coward. Meet me um, in the Forbidden Forest, you coward. Yeah. 
And that's it. Yeah. Um, and so Harry runs up to Dumbledore's office and he, he puts Snape's memories in there, the pensive. And um, he... This next... <laughs> they They proceed to show... A series of, of a montage of, of of memories, um, all all from the book, where mm-hmm. the camera is constantly like wobbling, and there's weird color palettes, and things keep swirling around. Shoot the scene! <laughs> just it doesn't <laughs> just do it. You don't need to make it weird. It's it, not it feels, supposed to be weird. It, it feels so much like they're just focusing on the pageantry involved yes. in getting it's, a shot over just like, can we, can we, hey, what does the book say? It's distracting. Yeah. It's like what, it makes you feel like you're not supposed to be like gleaning important information here. It feels like you're supposed to be like going along with this series of vignettes, which it well, starts well, off with he, sort of. Well, here's the thing. It, it's, the intent seems to be to make it feel very dreamlike. Yeah. But here's the thing about dreams. You don't remember much from them. Yes. You tend not to to glean that much information out of a dream. Right. See how we've got some conflicting angles going on remember, here? Remember remember in Inception uh when when they go down into the dream and the dreams like all like wavy and like their key, things keep happening where like it's kind of hard to follow it because like the 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 camera will just like uh, do something weird or like there'll be like weird digital effects of like mist going around and stuff and like it's just it's just very difficult to follow what's happening because that's how you're supposed to shoot a dream that's strange I think we watched two different movies <laughs> oh that's right I'm thinking of Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows part two uh, got yeah, him it's super annoying uh, they change a lot of the scenes they, they don't establish for one like in the in the, the, the book, it's it's like Snape's got this, this little child crush and they slowly kind of play out the fact that Snape slowly um, or Snape is in love with her the entire time. Right. And in love with Lily. And they, because they, they have the scene, they say that Harry watches the memory again from when Snape um, from this, the fifth book, when Snape uh, see, it gets tortured or like bullied by Harry's yeah. dad. Um, and then Snape turns around. I don't know. I don't remember if this is part of the the movie, uh, but Snape turns around and he calls her Mudblood. He calls Lily Mudblood because he's like snapping out. Nope. And that's the point where Lily His is like... His mother is not even in that flashback in number five. Perfect. Um, it's literally just uh, James torturing him and I think Sirius is in the background. Yeah. Uh, which is fun. But hey, hey guess what you have an opportunity to show us that scene again maybe give us a little more information maybe not show the exact same scene maybe maybe kind of switch it up tyler so you get tyler why on earth would we do that (laughs) because the audience is going to remember that perfectly from four movies ago and like five or six years ago and that's going to be like a thing that really sticks with them is that one scene that you had there maybe you should like reestablish it the point is remember in x-men first class where they they kind of used shots from the opening scene and with with magneto getting separated from his family yeah like they they used that but then they added more stuff to it yep see i hated that because i remembered exactly how that played out uh in the the previous movies so uh, i didn't need any of that um and so it's terrible Matthew Vaughn, you overrated hack. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just so 
frustrating because they don't really give us the 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 empathy we need for little Snape, who is just like this. He's he's well because they there's a really it's really heartbreaking because it's like he's sitting with Lily on the train. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, you want to be in Slytherin. Like, Slytherin's awesome. Like, he's just this young, bright kid. He doesn't really know any better. He just knows his family's kind of from Slytherin. And, and that's the the people he's always looked up to. And he's like, oh, it's going to be awesome. Like, uh, you know, I, I really hope you're in Slytherin uh, with me. And so then she gets put in Gryffindor. And he's – and, like, they show – they they have that scene of her getting sorted. But they don't have the dialogue beforehand to establish that, like, he is really eager to, like – because he's like – this is where I'm going to, like, I, I get you away from your sister. Now I can really, like, gain your trust and be friends with you, and it'll be great. Yeah. Because now I can, I can like, we can finally, like, have a relationship and everything. Uh, because it's it'll be in my world now, basically. Uh, the world I've always grown up in. And so, instead, uh, we just get the one scene of her getting sorted into Gryffindor, and then Snape's young actor just kind of looking on, like, eh. Whereas it, it describes how how Snape is like, oh, God. Like when she gets sorted to Gryffindor, because like he's he way, immediately feels the way like young he's just Snape looks lost. at it. The the subtitle should be mild disappointment. <laughs> yes, yeah, or it should be like heart wrenching. Like it's his first crush, and it's it's yeah. a very strong crush he's had for a while, and it's like this horrible heart wrenching like experience for this poor little kid. Yeah, and instead it's like uh, okay, well, yeah. um. And then they just kind of like filter through a lot of stuff that we could have spent more time on to establish the relationship between him and James and her. And then we don't get the mo- we again we don't get the point where he actually at one point he snaps out and calls her mudblood because she tries to come to his defense against James, and he's just like this this poor pale spineless kid who like is yeah you know just completely fed up with the world and, and has had an increasingly terrible life. Um, and that's the point where he kind of loses her friendship, and he it, there, it shows him trying to apologize to her, or like in the book, that's that's a thing where he tries to like win her friendship back, and she's and that's that's the thing that kind of drives him or drives her into James's arms. Then, let's talk about the sixth book. So in the sixth book, um, again, the there's there's stuff where, uh, so actually I should rewind probably even further to the fifth one. The fifth one establishes that Trelawney, uh, the fifth book, the movie does not do this, establishes that Trelawney gave the prophecy that told Voldemort that he, you know, a boy void at the end of the Jaya was going to kill him. It, yada, it yada. does establish that she is the one that gives the prophecy. Yes, but it's not like... Well, so my point is that it establishes that that happens while she is in an interview for the divination job with right. Dumbledore. In above the hog's head, um, and then the the owner of the hog's head, who we now know is Aberforth, barges in. We we find out in the sixth one that he barges in with Snape because Snape overheard it, and so Dumbledore is not sure what exactly he heard, and then ultimately Snape reports it back to Dumbledore, and or sorry to Voldemort words, um, but Snape reports, uh the prophecy to Voldemort, Voldemort acts on that prophecy to kill Harry and his family. And right. Snape realizes he's going to do this, and he's like, oh god, he's going to kill Lily. I never would have said anything about this if I had known that was gonna that was what he was going to use the information for. And that's why he goes to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore's like, I'll try and protect them. And he's like, you've got to help me fix this. They get killed anyway. Snape's like, oh god, I've horribly messed this up. I feel just immense remorse. And then that Dumbledore's like, well, you can help 
by protecting their child. Like you can you can make up for this by protecting their child. Right. Uh, th- none of that is in the movies. So Snape well, I, just I goes to Dumbledore. You're gonna, you're gonna have to help me walk through this. So from what I remember, uh, Snape is just kind of upset that they died. No, this is before they died. He just goes to Dumbledore and he's like, "I come in peace. Help me." No, I, I, in the movie, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I can't remember like before they actually die. What what his him and Dumbledore what their conversation actually is. Their conversation is basically the exact same in the book, where Snape goes to him and he's like, "You've got to help." He's going to try and kill them. Um, I'm going to your side to help, and he's like, "All right, we'll try and protect them," and then they get killed. Uh. So we have Snape goes over again. It's reactive instead of proactive, because <laughs> we have Snape instead of trying to make up for his mistake, he just finds out about this information. He's like, "I don't want her to die. Help me!" And then yeah. for some reason, the fact that she gets killed uh, is supposed to be like this this like thing where like that leads to him having a lifelong debt to protecting their son. Yeah, as opposed to the book where it's he is responsible. It's his fault. He wants to make up for it. Right. Which is such a more interesting, powerful character place to come from. And we don't get any of that. It's so much more embarrassing in the movie. Because <laughs> yeah. when, when Dumbledore goes, oh, you, you know, don't tell me you still care about the boy. When, when he realizes that Harry has to die and Snape does the little Patronus and it ends up being the doe, which was yes. Lily's Patronus, apparently. And then Dumbledore's just like, wait, you've been in love with her this whole time? And, and yeah. Snape's like, yeah. always. And I'm just like... The book is like... I think the book, the line is still after all this time. Okay. Well, I, I feel so like... so it's like, you, you still hold the flame for it. It's just... Yeah. I don't like yeah. any of it. And the fact that they actually have him go into the house, which, by the way, there's there's <laughs> inc- there's inconsistencies with, with Lily getting killed by Voldemort within, like, the flashbacks we get in Sorcerer's Stone versus mm. this one. Um, I think Lily is, like, wearing all black in the hmm. Sorcerer's Stone stuff, and she's, like, wearing blue when Snape finds her. Um, I believe the baby also is wearing different clothing. It's weird. <laughs> I'm being nitpicky about that. That doesn't really matter. It's more a problem that they show the actual shots from Sorcerer's Stone and try to splice it in instead yes. of just redoing the whole thing. Yes. Um, which is what they should have done. Uh, but then there's the very, very awkward misplaced shot of Snape holding on to Lily's corpse, crying his eyes out, and you've got Harry, little baby Harry, in the background crying his eyes out. I'm like, this is this is comical. Yes, I can't take any of this seriously. Why did Snape show up there? Why is no one else beaten in there? What what's going on? It's established. I I don't know if it's established in the movies, but it's definitely established that Hagrid and Sirius both get there first. Yeah. Uh, Once again, on the surface, dumb. I feel like you could see that and be like, oh, that's a very powerful scene. But then you think about it for five yes. seconds. Yes. Just five seconds. And it all falls apart. Yeah. Alright, I've got a few more more issues that we can run through real quick. I, I think we're Sounds good. Because we pretty much covered the, the third. Well that act. was that was where I started the, the yeah. breakdown, so 
like right after that scene. So yeah. we've we've gone full circle. So um, in the book, does Harry destroy the Resurrection Stone? I believe that asked, I asked that to you last time. In the book, they he drops it. He drops it in the forest. What if somebody just stumbles upon it? That's <laughs> dumb. Yeah, it's a forbidden forest. It's fine. No one's gonna find it. <laughs> Okay, Harry manages to find stuff in the Forbidden Forest they, all they the time. Also, he, he has a conversation with Dumbledore where he's like, it's now, in the, it's now hiding in the forest. Also, it's not like it does anything, like, in terms of... It's not powerful. It just brings back sad people. <laughs> like, it's not... So, I mean, he has a conversation with Dumbledore's painting, actually, in, from, like, Dumbledore's office. That that was also a weird thing that I thought about because I remember at the end of number six where he's he's talking with McGonagall briefly mm-hmm. in Dumbledore's office. They look over and they see the painting, and in this one when Harry goes to visit uh, Dumbledore's office to look into the, the Pensieve, there he doesn't look over. The, I don't. They don't even address the Dumbledore painting. That that was very strange to me. Yep. Yeah, there's a whole conversation with Dumbledore's painting at the end of the seventh one where they talk about that. Um, I have questions about how exactly a Horcrux gets made. I believe I've already asked that before, but he... specifically, specifically in terms of Harry being a Horcrux versus actually so, like going through a process of putting it into objects. So the idea is that the Horcrux. The, the the crux of the horcrux uh oh my god uh ritual is killing somebody which i don't think they ever establish in the, the movie yeah they do um, do they okay so that's the idea i think is that it was i guess because voldemort had just killed his mother harry's yeah. mother and then he he tries to kill harry and then it rebounds and that's somehow how that split off so i don't i don't know exactly like that's I mean, they vague. never they okay. never really establish what like what the exact ritual is, but they do establish that that's important. That and that's why it's important that they establish. Oh, this Horcrux was made by him killing his family. So like the ring was made by him killing his Muggle family, and okay. the uh, I think they say like the the uh, Helga's Helga Hufflepuff's cup was made by him killing the owner, the Hepzibah Hufflepuff or whatever, the owner of the the cup or something like that. So that's the thing. So that at, at least. It makes sense in terms of how that could happen. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a couple more things real real quick. Um, how does the sorting hat end up in that courtyard? Why not? It's just there. Oh, Neville's carrying it. I don't know why. No, 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 no. Isn't it... Isn't there a scene where it's just laying there and Neville picks it up? Is there? I thought I thought we cut to that courtyard after they're bringing Harry back from the forest and, and Neville's just carrying the Sorcerer's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone the, the Sorting Hat and we just don't know why I think that's I thought that's what I picked I thought up. there I was an establishing shot to that where it's could be it's on the ground and he picks it up either, either way, way it's dumb yeah why either way it's this was a scene in the book sort of and that's how he's got to get the sword so that's the only way we can do it yeah lastly the last note I have the color desaturation is so extreme that Malfoy looks like he's wearing a wig. Tom Felton's hair does not look real. <laughs> That's my last point. Let's talk about the epilogue. Let's not. It's. I would make the argument that everyone involved that's not in the editing room is trying and makeup is trying their darndest to make it work. 
Yes. The aging effects look terrible. Emma Watson looks like she's the same age. Um, Ron is the only one who really looks aged correctly. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe doesn't look much older. Jenny looks older, generally, but it still looks odd. Um, and the biggest problem that you brought up multiple times before, and I, I did not realize how much of a problem it was going to be, but I think it actually breaks the scene, is the fact that the color is still extremely desaturated. Yep. You've mentioned it multiple have, times. It should have been a thematic thing, where it's like, oh, Voldemort's dead, now we... Because the yeah. movies progressively get more desaturated as it goes. You've mentioned multiple um, times that it should be the same color saturation and palette as the first movie. Yeah. And that would be so nice but because of the way they do it it feels like this world is still bleak and dreary yeah there's it feels like there's no it feels like this is a boring hopeless world and it's like what what are you trying to tell us as an audience like that yeah. it nothing really mattered like they and also the, the fact world that, still kind of sucks and also the fact that just some of them look really terrible it's like oh well you guys haven't been leading very good lives have yeah. you yeah like daniel radcliffe looks rough he looks rough um, um. Yeah, it, and it further, quite a bit, and and the the best part is apparently they had to redo that scene because the makeup looked even worse beforehand. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible. So that scene is a great thing where a great thing from the book where we it's sort of a one one little victory lap for all the characters. It's like. Yeah. Harry and Ginny, they had they they ended up having a perfect life. Like, you know, it seems like they've had a perfect life. They've got three wonderful kids. You know, same for Ron and Ron and Hermione, and they you know everything's fine. Voldemort's gone. Hogwarts is still running strong. Neville's a professor there now. Um, Lupin's son is I I think they, there's a mention of him. Uh, now he's he's like dating. Uh, Bill and Fleur's son, and so it's like, oh, he could actually be part of the family if you know, like, like the one of the, one of Hermione's daughters, I think, makes a makes a reference to that, like, oh, he could be part of the family now, and it's it's a really powerful thing of, to me at least, of like they don't really establish what Teddy Lupin Lupin's son, um, they don't really establish who he's staying with or anything. I, I assume it's like Tonks's uh, grandmother or Tonks, Tonks's mother, something like that. Um, but that, to me, feels like a great circle uh, to Harry and Neville and even Voldemort, where these are all people who lost their parents, were raised in terrible environments, and, and it's an end of the cycle where we now have uh, uh, someone who is actually well-adjusted, living their normal life without their parents. And, like, they, the cycle has been broken, Voldemort's gone, we're, we're done losing parents because of him, like... I, I don't know. I feel like that's such a strong thematic element of this entire series, and the, the fact the fact that Harry is a loving parent and he has children of his own, and that he's there for them, and like all of that stuff is just a really nice thematic capstone on the series, and the fact that like everyone, despite how brutal it tended to get towards the last few books, everything turned out more or less okay. Like everything kind of got back to normal, and and, and you know these characters were ultimately able to come through it okay. And I would argue the movies don't need it. I don't think the movies make those thematic elements strong enough. I I don't think they've earned <laughs> the, such a like walk into the sunset ending. I don't think you need it. I think that the scene of I think maybe if you have a slightly different scene, maybe it's a little more of a swell of music or whatever when Harry and Ron and Hermione are looking to the distance. 
Maybe he walks back into the Great Hall and there's cheering. I don't know. You can do something where you have an end in the present day. And that's it. That's all you need. I feel I, like if, the, if they... I th- well, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. With the epilogue the way it is, and without making the epilogue significantly better than how it is, it's it's worse. The movie is worse for it. The movie would be better if it's not in it as it currently stands. I think the main tweak to justify the epilogue is strengthening the Snape stuff. And it really comes down yes. to that that whole line of I you're named after two headmasters of Hogwarts. Uh, yep. One of them was a Slytherin, and he was the bravest man I ever knew. The the Snape that we were given in the movies does not. Yes. That line is not justified by the by the character we have been given. Exactly. Which is a whole other thing where they try as Alan Rickman might. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't establish the fact that like Voldemort is like, or at least they don't ho- drive home enough the fact that Voldemort is like a master mind reader, basically, and um, this universe's version of mind reading, at least. And Snape is like every time Snape goes into Voldemort's company and protects his mind, he is risking his life to spy on him because like Voldemort is so good at this that if Snape slipped up for a second he would be killed immediately because Voldemort would see into everything he's been doing and it's like that's that's supposed to he's the fact that he spied on Voldemort for so long is such a uh incredible like like service to yeah Dumbledore and Harry and everyone and like that's that's how that's supposed to be driven home well it also answers why Snape is the one to teach Harry occlumency and like his whole devotion to Harry's mother yeah. and the fact that he he never stopped loving her like all of that turns him into such a more interesting flawed character it it redeems Slytherin in some ways because it's like this is what like a true Slytherin should be and like yeah I don't know and then, well and there's another thing there's another bit too where Dumbledore mentions how he feels like and I think it's in relation to Snape and I think it's in the King's Cross uh, Harry's mind scene where I think Dumbledore says, sometimes I feel like we sort too early. So it's almost like Slytherin is demonstrably, like the implication of the end is Slytherin is demonstrably demonstrably bad, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are stuck to be a demonstrably bad person because you are in Slytherin. Like, yeah. That almost seems to be the, the ultimate lesson. And we don't get any of that. At least they pull in the John Williams music. If they hadn't yep. done that, I would completely write off the whole movie. Yep. As uh, it is. Yeah. Do we have do we have any final thoughts or are we just kinda I think we that was we've it. been we've I believe we have talked longer than the movie's uh, runtime at this yep. point. Yep. That's the first time we've ever done that. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe Santa buddies. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, we did do a commentary track to Transformers 5. That's so, true. That's true. But That's different. But that's that's different, yeah. Uh, Tyler, what's, what's, what's your grade? So, I'm definitely biased in favor of the book and the fact... But, but we've established that I am... There are movies that you can do in this franchise that do not follow the book very strictly that I will still very much enjoy. The well, movie well I for me, it comes down to just basic logic questions exactly. with the film we are given. It's not about the fact that it's an adaptation that doesn't do exactly what I want. It's about the fact that it's an adaptation that breaks the... That doesn't work on the its own. The inherent 
inner functions of the book. Yes, exactly. Um, so I, I acknowledge that, and I also acknowledge that a lot of the problems with this uh, are from the first two. Or not the first two, the, the last this two is, movies. This is very much paying for the sins of of, of the six and seven Half Blood yes. Prince and uh, Deathly Hallows Part One. Yes. So I acknowledge all of that. So it's 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 almost a punishment for the way this franchise ended. But I'm going F minus. Oh my god. Yeah. I did not like this movie. <laughs> you put me in a spot here. You put me in a corner. I ain't going the F range. Okay, that's that's fine. when I and, and just to be clear, when I watched the movie uh, yesterday, I considered giving it a C plus. That's how mm-hmm. kind of how I was feeling when I was I was getting out of it. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. I'm gonna go D plus. Okay, the same exact grade <laughs> I gave Deathly Hallows Part One. That's fair. Uh, your F minus feels a tad extreme to me, although. Maybe when I read That's Deathly Hallows, kind of what I'm wondering is if, if when you get there, you'll you'll have a, a revelation at all. But well, like I said, I've been trying to think about, especially with how hard we were on on Half Blood Prince. I feel I've been trying to think about it as much as I can from just well, a normal audience member who had, and obviously, no matter what, just the fact that you have those extra details of things yes. that are in the books that will influence your opinion. Yes. Um, my, and that will influence how, how you're going to grade this thing. But. My thing is that the sixth movie, I think, it, it is it can be incoherent at times. It's it's not very good. It doesn't have characters interacting very well. I gave it a D minus for what that's worth. Um, then I wasn't it D minus and D for the last two. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it still, I can see how you could watch that and be like, that was a movie. This is fine, I guess. This movie, I, I I get that I've just read the books and I'm fresh off that off off the seventh one especially and and like understanding everything that goes into this and being so just like completely confused as to how they messed this up this badly. But I feel like and and it's kind of like what I've been saying to you, where like and and how you keep bringing up the fact that if you think it seems like it's fine on the surface, but if you think about it, everything falls apart. Just give it five seconds of thought. I feel like this movie is nonsensical. I feel like if you act if you showed somebody this movie and they were like oh that's fine that was that was, i had a good time and then started asking them questions about the plot i think they would quickly realize they have no idea what's going on i wasn't angry while i watched it and i haven't i, I was I, that's that's fair <laughs> I, I feel like if you go back and listen to the past couple of episodes i was much more frustrated during those than i am during this conversation yeah so i don't know D plus. That's that's where I'm feeling right now. Um, yep. And I know I discussed in the previous episode that I feel like overall my grades have probably been a little too high in retrospect. Yep. I don't know. I, I'm questioning my my grades of Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire a bit, just because I think uh, Order after of the this Phoenix, I feel more confident about my grades on those those three right there. Also, I I just feel like Order of the Phoenix is such a huge step above just everything those two included that maybe b pluses were a bit too much for the both of them but I, I'm, I'm gonna leave everything as as is i right could probably now. honestly knock down order the phoenix for some of the things that like i i think it should have set up better but at the same time that movie is just such a good movie in its own right 
and like just going in watching it after the first four felt like such a fresh of breath air fresh of breath air, breath of fresh air and like i don't know the, these last three i i do not understand and i know it's the screenwriter i know that's where like we feel like a lot of this is coming from but i just do no, not the, understand the fifth one is not written by the guy who wrote the all the others steve clovis yes. wrote uh, all of them except for number five i just don't understand how they screwed these last three up so bad david yates did fantastic beast right yep and he's doing all of them but they're written by rowling right they're not written by steve clovis i don't think, i don't know if they're written by rowling but she's definitely a big creative influence on them and i don't i don't think i'm gonna hate fantastic beast i, I think just what i remember of that movie i know you haven't seen it yet but what i remember of it it's remember how i said i had absolutely no interest like i was completely ambivalent to that yeah. whole movie now I actively don't want to watch it. Yeah. But I want to read the rest of the books, so... Yeah. That's my recommendation. Just remember, after we watched it... The... Hey, so when... Deadpool 2 came out when? May... Oh, God. Uh, it was late May. And Infinity War was late April. End of April. Yes. And then Han was Han Solo... Han Solo. Solo was when? It was like a week after Deadpool, right? Okay. So are we just going to take a break and just knock out... Is that out yet? It should be out, right? Deadpool's out. Infinity War's obviously out. Solo is not out yet. Okay. Well, so we... But it, sh- it will definitely be out by the time we... Yeah. So that's that's enough there. for me is that we'll... we'll we, we, we just got to get through Fantastic Beast and then we'll get Infinity War, which is just going to be the exact opposite of how... Of this... this See, I'll be there, I'll do my little intro, I'll do my best thing and worst thing, then I'm going to mute my mic, and Uh, then I'll just let you gush over it for five hours. Friend of the podcast, Joseph, has expressed interest in that as well, so we'll see if maybe we can rope him in, get him involved. Um, Oh, you know what the problem's going to be? You guys are going to be like, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus, best movie ever, I'm going to be like, but I got a couple of my, shut up! You're going to be like, what if I only give it an A? Death! Or potentially an A-. Oh, then we just you're 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 excommunicated. Joseph's the new the new co-host. <laughs> I mean, didn't, didn't we have this discussion during our last Probably. Jedi <laughs> episode? Yep. But anyway, Infinity War. So you were saying Infinity War and then Deadpool. Well, it'd be Infinity was... War, Deadpool two, and Solo. Um, big point is Infinity War. <laughs> it's coming. That's that'll get me through. That's all I need. I I don't know if I want to get Deadpool 2. I don't <laughs> I feel like I'm going to I'm going to end up purchasing it and I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to regret that or not. I'm just going to be very candid. I didn't enjoy it all that much. It's fine for the most part, but I feel like the emotional core is completely botched. Um yep. Which leaves me with this very hollow feeling after I I you know, after I left the theater, I was just like I I that was such a non-starter of an emotional experience. <laughs> like, I have yeah. no care no, for that movie at all. Mm-hmm. But Solo, I like Solo. Yep. I liked it more than Last Jedi. Don't at me. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know what I'm going to give that movie. Solo might end up being like tied f- for me with Force Awakens for my favorite uh, Disney Star Wars yep. movie. I liked it more than Rogue One. Don't Same. at me, because apparently Rogue One's the greatest thing ever, except Disney's the worst. 
What's Disney's it? the worst, except when I don't go in with uh, pre-made biases about a movie and uh, therefore just let myself have a good time and suddenly realize that, hey, they actually make pretty competent movies. Okay, so we determined that Warner Brothers is indeed the worst studio. Have we determined what is indeed the worst fan base? Oh, it's Star Wars. Is it Star Wars? Yeah, okay. And not just because of The Last Jedi, just in, in general. Like, that's that's just... Well, because, at least with Ever the since... EU, it's kind of the majority of people are like, they're not very good, but you have this small minority that's like, they're good, but, it, like, it's a We've... positive thing. It's like, they like the movies. Yes. We've done this, this analysis just... before, I think, where the fact that Star Wars, it, it hits, it has three se- series of movies hitting the, like, 30-year cycle mark yeah. of, of nostalgia... And the fact that the first three are so revered, and then, but like, sort of end on a note that some people are not okay with, and then you get the prequels that are just rock bottom, and then you get Force Awakens. Like, ever since the Force Awakens uh, backlash started coming in about a year after it came out, when everyone's like, oh, it's actually just a remake of New Hope, we hate it now. Rogue One's actually how you do a movie, but then, and by that I like, mean you don't have actual characters, you just have props that are played by humans. But then, like Red Letter Media lost their minds over how bad Rogue, they, they think Rogue One was, and that that whole that time was when I started like eyeing the Star Wars franchise and just like backing away slowly. Yeah. Like, ah, do I it's, care? It's like you're it's like you're in a bar just having a yes. nice drink with your pals, and then suddenly like a bar fight breaks out, and you're like, we can go. There's another bar right down the street. <laughs> it's called. I don't even know what, what... I guess the MCU is the only franchise. It's called the MCU. Um, it's even owned by the same guy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you guys want to come upstairs? It's quieter. There's a car horn going off on my end. I, I'm sorry I if that picks it. up. It's okay, still going. I lied. <laughs> can, can you hear it? Just a little. All right. I think we're done here. It We've almost talked longer oh. than the no, it still part one rather than part two, so... You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. It stopped. You can find us on Twitter at HCT. It's like the Harry Potter series. It ended. Except it didn't. You can find us on And then suddenly email. My, my, the alarm goes back on. <laughs> at herecomethesequels.gmail.com. The alarm just went on again. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube and, and iTunes and search Here Come the Sequels. Nothing ends. Nothing ever ends. Ah! <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I I enjoyed myself talking about the Harry Potter movies. Not I wanna, really. I want to cry. Um, I enjoyed like half of them. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't feel like as as like my enthusiasm has been drained like it has been with some other franchises. My enthusiasm for the books is higher than ever. My enthusiasm yeah, that's, for that's the fair. movie is movies are lower than ever. Is lower <laughs> than ever. I don't care. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week for Fantastic Beasts. Uh, artist subjective. Nothing is real. <laughs>